is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 443 for your Sunday, September 11th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday evenings. The start of the NFL season Sunday wherever you may be. We got a lot to get into, guys. A lot to get into. And I honestly think out of everybody that you may or may not watch in the community, I honestly think the way we handle the entire CM Punk situation, going over legitimately everything, breaking it down from basically the beginning of CM Punk sitting down, to when the fight between Punk and the Elite actually happened on All Out Sunday. I thought we covered it tremendous. And every little bit that has come out regarding this situation, I've been on top of it. And again, I want to thank you guys for all of the tremendous support this week. We had more live viewers this week on Tuesday and Wednesday than we had all WrestleMania weekend. That's night one and night two. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's amazing how everybody just loves the drama more so than anything that's going on with the television shows. It's crazy. We did 6,000 live on Tuesday. We did another 5,000 live on Wednesday for Dynamite, which was the largest audience that Jesse and I have ever had on Wednesday night for a Dynamite show. And again, I want to say thank you to everybody for all of your tremendous support. Today, what we're going to get into is I got a follow-up on all of the Young Bucks sending feelers out to WWE. This is not a... St- I even said this yesterday. You know, people don't listen to me when I speak. I even said it yesterday. This is not something that we need to really bother with right now. This is not something that we are going to really attack and take seriously because the Young Bucks have much more to go on their AEW deals. Their deals aren't up until 2024. So we're going to go over that. I got to follow up on all of that news. I got news on CM Punk. Is CM Punk really finished with AEW? Will he be back after the injury and after everything had happened? I don't know how Tony Khan can bring him back. I don't know. It's going to end up being the biggest decision that Tony Khan will have to make for AEW. Lots more details there. Backstage reactions to all that happened Sunday night. I got it all. And I even got, ridiculous as it may sound, Mindy's Bakery. You know, the bakery that CM Punk put over. The most villainous bakery now in all of sports entertainment and pro wrestling. CM Punk put them over. They were review bombed in a good way. 
because of what CM Punk did as far as advertisement for that bakery goes, we got some of the hilarious uh, reviews that people had put on Mindy's Bakery for whatever happened with the CM Punk situation. They got reviewed, and it's hilarious. Pro wrestling fans, when they want to be, are quite the humorous bunch of people. So we got all that. MJF is involved in the CM Punk elite all-out fight investigation. And we got all your Monday night. Raw, SmackDown, Friday night SmackDown. We got AEW Dynamite News. We got NXT News. We got the whole nine. So we got a loaded show for you guys tonight. I want to thank you so very much for joining me on your Sunday night. Before we get into anything, before we get into anything, I'm not sure if he's watching uh, the show, uh, Jesse is a very good friend of mine. He's one of my best friends. In fact, uh, I'm in contact with him every day. He has had a really, really, really difficult week. So he's dealing with a lot right now. And I know he tweeted it out. He didn't really ask me to do anything here on my show tonight, but I know he tweeted it out. So it's out there. If you're following Jesse, I want everybody to, Throw up the prayer emojis for Jesse. Honestly, everybody that's watching me right now, all my VIPs, it's VIP only. I want everybody to throw up the prayer emojis. Jesse's nephew this weekend passed away, and he's dealing with a lot right now. So I want to send him our love, our support, and our prayer to him and his family. So make sure you guys throw up those prayer emojis for Jesse. We love Jesse. And uh, obviously, because of this situation, Jesse will not be on Wednesday's show. I will be doing Dynamite and the review myself, flying solo on Wednesday night. So uh, you guys are still getting a review. But Jesse will not be there, and Jesse will take as long as he needs. Uh, and then he will be back when he sees fit. So I just want everybody to know, uh, just keep Jesse in your thoughts and prayers. And if you want, go reach out to him online. He could certainly use it, and we love him. Brother, hopefully everything's all right. I hope uh, I, ho- I hope you're good. That's all I could say. Um, we love you. Thoughts and prayers to Jesse and his family. Follow me on social media. Let's get some music going in here, man. Follow me on social media, guys. Thank you for almost 45,000 followers on Twitter. Unbelievable. Twitter, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Everything you need is linked down below in the description of this very video. You guys want to get in on the chat? It's members only. Sunday night is members only. Get them on in. We just hit 600 VIPs, 600 channel members on off the script. I'd love to get to 1,000 before the end of the year. That is my ultimate goal. So if you guys want to get in on the chat, If you guys want access to the live stream chats on Sundays, if you guys want those emotes, we got seven new emotes coming in just a few weeks, and you're going to love them. You're going to love them. Two brand new badges are coming as well for 36-month memberships and 48-month memberships. Something else for you guys to go and chase. And that 48-month one is my favorite of them all. So hit that join button and become a channel member right here on Off The Script. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. You guys can ask anything you want. You guys can chime in on any of the top stories we go over. You guys want to let me know what you're thinking about this week's pro wrestling news. Super Chats are yours. That line is open always. 
Go check out all the other content on the channel, man. I've been one busy bee. This may have been single-handedly the best week that we've ever done. So go and check all that stuff out. Everything you need is on the homepage. I got it categorized for you on the homepage. Go and check it out. Hit that thumbs up. I see 700 likes right now with 2,500 in the venue. I need 1,000. It's absolutely no question. 1,000 likes minimum. Absolutely no questions asked. So hit that thumbs up. Get them on in. And I appreciate you guys. It helps me out. Helps the podcast out. Tells YouTube, hey, bitch, put it in the recommendations. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Monk Pack. I have one of these bad boys every morning, man. When I'm looking for a midday snack, when I'm grinding on Destiny 2, when I'm taking my news and writing my notes down for the week, Monk Pack comes in handy, man. My favorite one, Coconut Cocoa Chip, has become my favorite one. You guys can go check them out as they're sponsoring the show tonight. Monkpack.com, and you're going to use that code SCRIPT at checkout, and you guys are going to get 20% off your first purchase. Unbelievable. So make sure you guys hit them up. Monkpack.com, code SCRIPT. We'll talk about my friends over at Monkpack a little bit later on in the show. Oh, man, let's get at Let's get at the news, man. We got a lot to get into. We got a lot to get into. I don't know what else I could say on this CM Punk story, but we'll get there. Let's start off with some WWE news. News that you might have heard about but got buried under all the CM Punk AEW news. Triple H, he got promoted this week. Triple H named chief content officer in WWE. WWE issued the following statement earlier in the week about Paul Levesque being promoted to chief content officer. Frank A. Riddick III was promoted to president and chief financial officer of WWE. WWE this week announced that Triple H, Paul Levesque, has been elevated to chief content officer. Additionally, the company has promoted Frank A. Riddick III to president and chief financial officer. Since taking over creator for WWE, Levesque has architected a 15% spike in the Monday Night Raw viewership and double-digit increases in social media engagement. As chief content officer, Levesque will oversee creative writing, talent relations, live events, talent development, and creative services. The role will report to WWE co-CEO Nick Khan. So when we here were discussing, well, Triple H is taking on all these roles, is his health going to be a factor or an issue into all this. He is now overseeing creative writing. He's responsible for Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. I don't know how much of a responsibility he has for NXT. Talent relations, live events, talent development, and creative services. This man is all over the place. This man is legitimately WWE right now. He's the hottest thing going. He's the most wanted man in the business. He's the most sought-after interview in the business. He's the most popular guy in the business right now. Good for Paul Levesque, man. I'm happy about it. And this is the first time I've been this excited for WWE in many, many, many years. And I know you guys are the same way. WWE is one of the most prolific producers of premium content in the world. And I look forward to this amazing opportunity, said Levesque. Having spent my entire career in this business, I'm confident that we have the right pieces in place to continue to grow our audience and deliver for our fans around the world, end quote. 
Riddick joined WWE as chief financial officer last year after serving on the company's board of directors for more than 13 years and previously holding the role of interim CFO. During that time, WWE announced annual and quarterly records for revenue. And as president and CFO, Riddick will oversee financial planning and analysis, strategy, controllership, investor relations, tax, data analytics, technology, event travel, and facilities. He will jointly report to Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan. He says, and I quote, I've had the great fortune of working closely with the talented people at WWE in a variety of capacities over the last 15 years. Along with Stephanie, Nick, and Paul, we look forward to executing our ambitious plans and delivering for our shareholders. We are excited to announce expanded roles for Paul and Frank, which will enhance WWE's ability to create premium content for our partners around the world and ultimately drive our business forward, said Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan. Good. Pieces are going where they need to go. WWE right now is firing on all cylinders. They're making the, the, the moves and the changes that they need to make and have been long needed since Vince McMahon ran the show for however many years. And I said it about Triple H, man. If you, if you don't believe in Triple H now, if you don't believe Triple H now, we're two months in to his administration as lead writer for Monday night and Friday night. Obviously, you see the difference. Obviously, you feel the difference. Nothing is perfect. I mean, Monday Night Raw the last couple of weeks has been a snooze fest, but SmackDown has largely remained the same, but somehow is a much better show under Triple H. More talent is being used. The shows are flowing better. Instead of nine matches at three minutes each, we get four matches, five matches. Some of these matches go 15, 20 minutes. SmackDown has its problems. The women's division is still in shambles. But the top of the card is looking a lot better under Triple H than it did under Vince McMahon. The possibility of NXT call-ups is still there. Braun Strowman, he's returned, even though I'm not a big fan. He is still a valuable asset to the company. We got Legato Del Fantasma about to be called up from the main roster. We got Johnny Gargano back. We got Tommaso Ciampa. We got Dexter Loomis. We got Dakota Kai. We got EO Sky. Sasha Banks and Naomi are probably on their way back. The rumor of Bray Wyatt seemingly picks up every week. There's a lot going on, man. There's a lot going on. Monday Night Raw has been over a two rating for the last several weeks. Monday Night Raw could barely break a 1-7, a 1-6 under Vince McMahon. Now, this Monday is going to be a, a very different story. That Monday Night Football is back for the first time this season. I don't think WWE is going to be over a 2. But if they remain steady, a 1-9, closer to a 2, Obviously, Triple H has been a huge value or huge asset to the company in the role that he's been given. The shows feel better. And I said, from that one day after Triple H took over the first full week, that's not the rating you're going to want to pay attention to. It's the week after that, the week after that, the week after that. And people have maintained that, that rating. Interest is there. Interest, you know, interest in the product is now at, at an all-time high in the last, what, 20 years? It's great. It's great. I love it. And it's only going to get better because more people are going to come back. Triple H is going to, you know, take a slow but sure mentality. He's not going to unleash everything at one time. He wants to make sure everything is all right with the shareholders and that they're comfortable. Obviously, he's got a lot to give them and a lot, you know, a lot of hope is there. A lot of trust has been developed already. Just look at the numbers. Everything is up in WWE. Live event gate, pay-per-view selling out, the interest in the overall product, social media, everything is up. Everything is up, and Triple H is doing a fantastic job 
and the best is yet to come. So I'm excited about that. And he got promoted. If he can handle it, fine. If he can handle it, who's the you know who who's who's to say that he can't do it? Obviously, he showed you he could do it. So why not? This was a man that was knocking on death's door. This was a man that had his fucking baby taken right out of his arms and destroyed. And now here he is. He's the man. He's the fucking man in WWE. I love it. The greatest comeback story of all time. So with Triple H in charge in all these different aspects of the company, several internal roster changes have been made. Triple H has brought back Braun Strowman, Hit Row, Dakota Kai, Karrion Cross. He's also made the product a little bit more legit, a little bit more real, a little bit more story-focused, a little bit more on the in-ring action. PW Insider reported that there have been changes made to the internal roster. Dexter Loomis is now officially added to the Raw roster. Solo Sokoa made his main roster debut at Clash of the Castle. He was in the main event on SmackDown against Drew McIntyre. He was officially added to the SmackDown roster. Imperium. This is Giovanni Vinci, the former Fabian Eichner, Ludwig Kaiser, the former Marcel Bartel. They are now listed as a tag team on SmackDown. Awesome decision. Tommaso Ciampa is in- internally listed with his original name after going by just Ciampa in the Vince McMahon administration. Champa received his full name during Monday's episode of Raw this past Monday. At Clash of the Castle this past Saturday, Vinci and Kaiser reunited alongside Gunther for his intercontinental title match against Sheamus, which got a five-star rating by Dave Meltzer. I know nobody gives a shit about the five-star ratings, but to see that accolade for those guys... And we have not even begun the storyline yet and the, and the feud. It's just going to make it all that much more legendary. Also, at this show, Solo Sokoa helped Roman Reigns. He retained the Undisputed Championship against Drew McIntyre in the main event, signaling his main roster debut and joining his brothers, the Usos, as a member of the Bloodline. All positive changes, and there is more yet to come. There is more yet to come. We've seen... Toxic attraction on the main roster. We don't know where they're going to be, depending on how long Mandy Rose holds that championship. We've seen Legado del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, and the rest of them, right? We got Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde. They are a great trio, along with Electra Lopez. Who knows when they're going to get called up? They'll probably end up on Friday night as they need more roster depth on SmackDown and more yet to come. There's no draft, and Triple H is somehow making all of this work. He's still invigorating the rosters and the shows by just moving pieces where they need to go. It's not drastic change, but he's bolstering the roster and making, you know, things make sense. Tommaso Ciampa got his name back. Austin Theory got his name back. Angel Garza got his name back. Humberto Correo got his name back. Imperium is now a group on the main roster, and their presentation mirrors what they did in NXT. These are simple things that should have never been changed. Braun Strowman's coming out destroying people, whether or not you like it. I don't. I mean, I fucking hate it. I don't think he should be destroying the tag team division, but he looks like a monster again. Instead of standing there having green fucking slime dumped on him while he feuds with Shane McMahon. Well, Shane McMahon calls him fucking st- st- stupid. You know, we don't want that. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Braun Strowman, but the reactions say otherwise. The reactions give you a glimpse into what people love about the WWE product. They want to see guys like that destroying shit. Hopefully Triple H knows what the fuck he's doing with them. 
I don't like it, but people seem to enjoy it. This is positive change. Dexter Loomis, his storyline with The Miz. Nobody knows where it's going to go. I'm intrigued. They got to give us some answers sooner rather than later, but I'm intrigued by it. Johnny Gargano on Monday Night Raw. I'm excited about that. I'm a big Johnny Gargano, Mark. Change. Change. Great thing to see. Royal Rumble. One of my favorite events of the entire year. Royal Rumble date and location announced. WWE, this this got buried under all the fucking CM Punk news. WWE has announced the Royal Rumble will take place in San Antonio, Texas at the Alamo Dome on Saturday, January 28th, 2023. This event wasn't previously listed on the 2022 event schedule. Tickets for the show go on sale for the general public on Friday, September 30th at 10 a.m. Central Time. WWE previously held the Royal Rumble in San Antonio, Texas in 2017. It drew 52,020 fans. This is the updated pay-per-view schedule for the company. We got Extreme Rules on October 8th. That is uh, from the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Saturday, NXT will hold Halloween Havoc on October 22nd from Orlando, Florida. Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia. That is Saturday, November 5th. Survivor Series, TD Garden in Boston, November 26th. That's a Saturday. Saturday, January 1, WWE will present day one at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. Saturday, January 28th, Royal Rumble, San Antonio, Texas from the Alamo Dome. And then Saturday, April 1, and Sunday, April 2nd, WrestleMania 39 from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California. That is the upcoming WWE pay-per-view calendar. And Royal Rumble, man, seemingly they love going back to Texas for the Royal Rumble. Seems like Texas is always a uh, likely destination for the Royal Rumble. So I'm excited about it, and I'm, I'm excited about it not because it's taking place in Texas. I'm excited about it because this is Triple H's first creative fully in charge of a Royal Rumble. And if there's anybody that knows what the Royal Rumble has been missing all these years... It is Triple H. The last Royal Rumble that Triple H had a heavy hand in was the one that Brock Lesnar entered number one as the WWE champion and was eliminated by Drew McIntyre. That Royal Rumble was one of the best in the modern era. So Triple H creatively in charge of WWE for the Royal Rumble, going from the Royal Rumble into WrestleMania season. I can't wait to see what he does. This is exciting to me. Royal Rumble hasn't felt the same. WrestleMania hasn't felt the same. WrestleMania season in general hasn't felt the same. I can't wait to see what he's got up his sleeve. I can't wait to see the surprises he may have in store for us. And then, you know, there was news of the draft happening in October. Not going to happen. So that's moved to sometime next year. He's not operating the WWE with a draft in place this year. He's saving it possibly for the Raw after WrestleMania to really give it a sense of a reset and give the brands a sense of a reset. And I I think that's great. How many times have we how many times have we complained about WWE going into the Survivor Series and then having a draft like four or five weeks before we get to the Survivor Series for one guy to be on a brand for all these all these months, right? And then get moved over to the opposite brand, and then he's got to wrestle for that new brand that the Survivor Series, there's no brand loyalty there. There really isn't. You know, it, it sucks to see someone like Kevin Owens on Monday Night Raw for like two years. 
He gets moved in the draft to SmackDown, then has to wrestle for Team SmackDown as if he has any fucking care or or motivation at all to, to wrestle for SmackDown when he's been on Monday Night Raw for the last two years. It's stupid. And that's probably one of the main primary reasons why Triple H is not wanting to do a draft in September, in October, right before Survivor Series. Just keep everything the same. And then do it in April after WrestleMania, really giving it a sense of a reset. I think that's fantastic. That's probably the main reason why he did that. But I'm excited to see everything as far as WrestleMania season is concerned with what he's got up his sleeve, man. It should really be exciting stuff. CM Punk. This entire story has gotten way out of hand. It has divided the entire community. Some people say CM Punk should be fired. Tony Khan should not bring CM Punk back. Some people are like, well, he's going to need CM Punk. I can't see him firing CM Punk. The elite sent feelers out to WWE. I believe that's the case, but I don't really find that to be a huge deal. It's probably a great deal, a smart deal for them because they're trying to use WWE as a negotiate, possibly use WWE in a negotiation tactic to get more money out of Tony Khan and AEW. They may not want to leave. We don't know. We don't know what their desires are right now as they got two more years left on their current AEW contract. MJF is now a part of the investigation. It's crazy. CM Punk is out with injury now for nine months. This entire shit has taken just the wrestling world by storm. People making fucking accusations on it. Everybody, everybody up and down the community making opinions and videos on it. It it is crazy. Legitimately, the news was so overwhelming that I could barely sleep during the week. I was very sleep-deprived. I was very focused on everything to a point. I neglected a lot of things. A A lot of the news got neglected. Things around the house got neglected. It was crazy. You had to be on your feet, on your toes, basically all week. So... Let's get into what we got as far as this CM Punk news. Let's start from the very beginning. CM Punk, he was obviously with Colt Cabana still on the mind, right? So the news about Colt Cabana came out. Is Colt Cabana coming back to AEW's contracts up? A lot of people were like, oh, CM Punk doesn't want Colt Cabana back in AEW, so Tony Khan's not going to give him a contract. Tony Khan's not going to bring him back. So obviously his friends, Adam Page, the Bucks, Kenny Omega, they go to bat for Colt Cabana. Tony Khan, to make everybody happy, signs Colt Cabana, not to AEW, but to a Ring of Honor only deal. He was a part of the Dark Order. He wasn't a big part of television, but he was a part of the Dark Order. And then you didn't see him a part of the Dark Order. So now he's a part of the Ring of Honor brand, and Ring of Honor right now doesn't really have a brand because they don't have a TV deal. They don't have a set roster. They have nothing. All they have is these quarterly shows, you know, four times a year, five times a year at that. So Punk was blamed about Colt Cabana possibly being released and then brought back and then banished to Ring of Honor. Hangman Page cuts a promo on CM Punk, goes off the script, no pun intended, in a promo against CM Punk as they build towards their double or nothing match, which CM Punk beat. Adam Page for the World Championship. He pretty much called CM Punk out for workers' rights and blamed him for Colt Cabana not being brought back to AEW. 
Punk wins the world title from Hangman Page, and we're all set. We're all set for the summer of Punk. MJF, CM Punk, it's going to be a tremendous storyline to get MJF as the world champion and take AEW to the next level. Everybody was happy. Everybody was excited about this. He's now the world champion. We're going to get this match number three in the MJF CM Punk saga. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He then immediately injures himself, breaking his foot in a severe injury that kept him out for two months. He didn't drop the title. Tony Khan created an interim champion. John Moxley won the interim championship, carries the title, carries the company on his back through CM Punk's rehabilitation and proves that he is the MVP of AEW. MVP of AEW, bar none, is John Moxley. Then and now. Punk comes back, calls Hangman a little bitch, and cuts a promo, delivers a nice receipt in his first day back on AEW Dynamite. Talking about the John Moxley feud. He talked about it, but he threw Hangman Page in there. People thought Hangman Page was going to be part of the all-out main event. People thought that there was going to be a little mini feud between Adam Page and CM Punk. No, he just gave Page a receipt back for the promo that Page cut on him as far as the workers' rights situation is concerned. Hangman, he said nothing about it. All I seen during that time was John Silver post a picture of Adam Page in the back in catering. Adam Page didn't say jack shit. Punk got squashed by John Moxley, not at the pay-per-view, but on Dynamite. They facilitated this. They wanted to create something out of this storyline with Punk in Cleveland, Moxley, the interim champion, Whatever you think about it, I said that you couldn't do that to Moxley in Chicago. He carried the company on his back while Punk foolishly went out there and injured himself. You can't have him be the interim champion and then say, hey, John, thank you for holding the company up on your back. We're going to have you going to Chicago now and lay down for Punk, and you're not going to be recognized as a true, full AEW champion. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. So they sped it up. They gave you the match in Cleveland. Punk sold the foot. Moxley squashed Punk in three minutes. John Moxley wins and is crowned the undisputed AEW champion. Punk said he actually wasn't hurt in the match because of the squash. Everybody's, oh, he injured the foot again. He says he wasn't hurt, and it was obviously all mental. Everybody tried to come up with storyline reasons why he did that. He planted with the foot wrong. He... 
went in there in Cleveland. Cleveland's a bad luck town. It was a bunch of different shit. A lot of people didn't understand why it happened. I understood why it happened, and that's it. Nobody's really talking about that now. Ace Steel. Never seen Ace Steel on AEW television. Says fuck on television while he slaps CM Punk to get him ring ready and mentally ready for John Moxley. Cuts one hell of a promo on CM Punk, hyping up the Punk-Moxley match all out. Punk says that in Chicago, obviously, he's going to take down John Moxley for the AEW championship. Punk beats Moxley for the title in a great match. Match was very good. Match was definitely worthy of a main event for AEW. But he injured himself five minutes into the match. Five minutes into the match. He tore his tricep. He's going to be out six months. The latest nine months. Punk wins the title. Injured. Goes backstage. And what they are calling a premeditated attack on WrestleZone slash Wrestling Inc. geek, Nick Houseman. He sits down. Nick Houseman doesn't ask any fucking questions. Nobody asks a question. He looks at Nick Houseman, picks on Nick Houseman, asks Nick Houseman about Colt Cabana, and then for 20 minutes goes on a scathing rant about the AEW locker room, that he works with children, and that Colt Cabana shares a bank account with his mother, Marsha. He baits Nick Houseman into asking a question, and when Nick Houseman doesn't play along... He goes on this 20-minute premeditated attack on the media for the AEW All Out post-show, the media scrum for All Out, saying that he hates working with young people and he hates working with children, that the locker room EVPs or the EVPs of AEW, they they can't manage anything. They can't manage a fucking target. He calls Colt Cabana... Basically a loser, shares a bank account with his mother. I got the emails, I got the texts, I got all this shit. Not paying his bills anymore. Basically, he turned heel in front of everybody in this moment. Not the heel turn that we all wanted, but he turned into company villain number one. During all of this, Tony Khan, the fucking boss, is sitting there with every human emotion on his face. You go from shock and awe, you go to fear, depression, sadness, you name it. Whatever human emotion a human being can feel, Tony Khan gave you all those emotions in about 15 seconds. As CM Punk was just running down the elite, basically calling Hangman Page a dumb fuck and says Matt, Nick, and Kenny Omega can't manage anything and can't manage a fucking target. What are they doing as EVPs? The Young Bucks, obviously are angered by this. In the same scrum, CM Punk says, if you want to talk to me, all you got to do is come find me in the back. My door is open. Young Bucks certainly take him up on that offer, and they just won the trio championships at All Out in one of the best matches of the entire calendar year in all of pro wrestling. So they go to his locker room, they go to Punk's locker room, and they bring with them a lawyer. They bring with them legal representation from AEW. Apparently, they super kicked the door down. This was embellished. They didn't kick the door down. And they walked right into CM Punk's locker room. Punk immediately throws a fist at Matt Matt Jackson. Nick Jackson tries to stop him. He's hit by a chair with a steel who right now, at this point, basically fired by throwing a fucking chair at one of the EVPs of the company. 
We got Larry, CM Punk's dog, terrified. We got Ace Steel's wife there tending to Larry, CM Punk's dog. She takes him out of the fucking room. They say in the report that Ace Steel got agitated because his wife was in the room and he thought that she was going to be harmed in the melee, which was nothing more than a defense mechanism and an excuse because he's a fucking lunatic. She had nothing to do with the melee at all. She was, ba- they, she was there basically to watch Larry and make sure that he was safe. Ace Steel then bit Kenny Omega on the arm, pulled his hair. Obviously, you would think if somebody's biting somebody, the dog would be fighting somebody out of fear. No, it was Ace Steel biting Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega then tries to get the dog out of the fucking room. Brawl lasts about six minutes and involves seven people in total. Managers, producers, agents. Brandon Cutler was there. Michael Nakazawa was there. Pat Buck was there. Embarrassing. The entire thing was embarrassing. Punk and the Elite then are forced to relinquish their titles. Punk relinquished the AEW Championship. The Elite relinquished their trios championships. We had new trios champions crowned on Dynamite in the Death Triangle. Punk relinquished the title. Tony Khan came up with a tournament of champions, which will conclude at Grand Slam next week. Not ne- not this coming Wednesday, the following Wednesday. And Mox cuts a promo that lit a fire underneath the AEW locker room like no other. After a talent meeting that they had earlier in the day that he led, Chris Jericho led, Brian Danielson led, and they said that this meeting was the best meeting that AEW has ever had. That's funny. Tony Khan held a meeting two weeks ago, and nobody took anything in that meeting seriously. But Moxley, Jericho, and Brian held a meeting, and that Dynamite show was one of the most focused Dynamite shows that I think I've watched in all three years. And Tony Khan is absolutely lucky and fortunate that after all this situation, he had those three men lead a locker room meeting, and everybody loves those guys so fucking much and looks at them as as leaders and looks to them for guidance. Because if Tony Khan did not have those three guys, he'd be floating up Shit's Creek. He would be in serious fucking trouble. Because right now, they gave him the leadership that right now Tony Khan does not have. Tony Khan has no leadership in this company. He is not a leader. He's basically a fan. And people have been saying this since day one. He's a fan running a show with a lot of money. Now, I love Tony Khan and what he's brought to the table. Could it be better? Absolutely. Everything could be better. WWE could be better. AEW could be better. But Tony Khan, at the end of all this, needs to be a fucking boss and a leader. And stop sharing white claws with the fucking locker room. Stop being friends. Stop being buddy-buddy with everybody in the locker room. Stop trying to appease these fucking wrestlers because you were a fan of them growing up. This is not some fucking toy chest in your goddamn bedroom and you playing action figures. Give me a break. This is real life. This is the real thing. These people will run the fuck over you. If you don't step up and be a leader, and that's exactly what CM Punk did. CM Punk went into that scrum, and he walked over Tony Khan like a fucking Mack truck. And Tony Khan did nothing but sit there and take it. Why? Because he's friends with CM Punk. I'm not going to step in CM Punk's way. Meanwhile, if Tony Khan did anything, not even at all out, if Tony Khan did anything... Anything at all in the months leading up to this, we wouldn't be talking about this 
they wouldn't be a public embarrassment. It wouldn't be a black eye on AEW. And it wouldn't be referenced on fucking WWE television. And they're going to have their fun with it now because they knew this day was going to come as soon as CM Punk came back to professional wrestling. Not good. Not good. Tony Khan could have diffused all of this. Tony Khan could have diffused all of this when Adam Page cut that promo. When Adam Page talked about workers' rights. CM Punk could have deaded it there. We said this, Jesse and I talked about this. The logic gaps, we talked about this on Tuesday. Go back and listen. The logic gaps are there. Why wasn't this covered on that night? With Adam Page cutting that promo on CM Punk about workers' rights, all CM Punk had to do was go to Adam Page. Bro, what the fuck? Talk it out. Go to Tony Khan. TK, did you approve this promo? No, I didn't approve that promo. He went, he went out there and went into business for himself. I'm going to go talk to him. Tony Khan, in that moment, on that night, all he had to do was go and talk to Adam Page, go talk to the elite, see what was going on, and dead the situation then. He let that shit sit for two months. He let that shit sit for two months. Punk came back. No resolution to it whatsoever. The first night back, he cuts a promo going off the script, giving Paige his receipt back, and going into business for himself. And again, Tony Khan didn't say shit. Phil, what the fuck was that about? Why did you go and say that? Paige has nothing to do about your upcoming match with John Moxley. Why are you mentioning Paige when he's not in anything right now? All he had to do was dead the situation then. Then again, he just let it sit, let it just get worse like a fucking cut that goes untreated and it gets fucking infected. He let this fucking injury, this, 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 this cut just become so infected that it boiled over to what you got at the scrum Sunday night after all out. Tony Khan is to blame just as much as anybody else. And then he sat there and he let all this shit sit and he sat there and did absolutely nothing while CM Punk buried every single member of that locker room that started this fucking venture known as All Elite Wrestling, sat there and basically showed them and everybody else whose side he was on. With CM Punk cutting down everybody in the Elite, the guys that started this venture with Tony Khan's backing, he basically chose CM Punk over every member of the elite. Matt and Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, and Adam Hangman Page. He tried to fix the Colt Cabana situation by taking it upon himself. Colt Cabana, he wasn't even going to bring back Colt Cabana. He was going to let Colt Cabana walk because he was so enamored by having CM Punk. And he was so fucking enamored about making CM Punk happy. I can't make my biggest moneymaker, my biggest signing of all time unhappy we got to get rid of the things that are making him unhappy instead of talking about it with him I, I i don't understand the lack of communication here none of this should be an issue none of it yet here we are now we're looking at a situation where you got cm punk he's made a fucking glass he gets his foot broken in a fucking injury that should have never happened then he goes and gets back 
He wins the world title. He tears his tricep. He's out for nine months. We should not be talking about CM Punk in any world title situation at all. He took the spotlight off of MJF and the spotlight off of the entire roster on Sunday night and made him about himself and about Colcabana. He got into a fight with the EVPs. None of this should be a talking point right now. Tony Khan made it that. The lack of communication and the lack of structure in the company. That Big Swole had talked about when she was let go and wasn't brought back. Now we look back on that, and we are now going to look at that and say, how right was she in reality to what people were talking about then? Why aren't people talking about that? Nobody saw it then. We see it now with CM Punk in the equation. This is a major fucking issue. A major issue. Now you've created a whole new issue. Tony Khan is fortunate that CM Punk is out for nine months, at most nine months. He's now fortunate because it gives him enough time to decide what he needs to do. Is he going to let CM Punk stay? Is he going to let CM Punk walk That is, if CM Punk wants to stay, I don't know. Does he cut ties with CM Punk? Does CM Punk swallow the bitter pill and put his ego aside? He even said it at the scrum. This is well beyond any apologies. This is well beyond sitting down and talking it out with these guys. I don't get it. If he's that fucking foolish to let his fucking ego get in the way of possibly making money off this, if they're fucking stupid to let their egos get in the way of possibly making money off of this for the betterment of the company. That is on them, and that shows you that they never give a fuck about AEW in the first place. And by that and that alone, they need to get the fuck out. If they're not willing to put their egos aside, I don't want, I don't want them here. If Punk is not willing to put his ego aside for the betterment of this company, the fucking sole reason why he's back, I don't want him here. And I'm a fantasy on Punk, and it's tough for me to say that. If he doesn't put his ego aside and make money off of this and come back and work with these guys and they do the same thing, put their egos aside and work with Punk. If Punk doesn't come back and feel the need to apologize, I don't fucking want him here. And he needs to get the fuck out. If Punk comes back into that locker room and doesn't apologize and Tony Khan bends over backwards and give Punk and gives Punk whatever he wants, this is going to end miserably for AEW. If it really is beyond apologies, Omega, the Bucks, Adam Page, they may be gone. I don't know when Omega's contract's up. I don't know when Page's contract is up. But if you don't think that they are going to explore other options to get away from Tony Khan basically giving all of his resources to CM Punk and siding with CM Punk. Because I said this on, I said this yesterday on my extra. Tony Khan's actions basically proved one thing and one thing only. He allowed and okayed CM Punk to bury the elite. And it came off as if he sided with CM Punk over everything that they are telling. And their side of the story meant nothing. That sucks. Now, they're just as guilty as anybody. Whether or not they were leaking shit to the dirt sheets, Meltzer and Alvarez said that they weren't leaking shit to them. Sean Ross Sapp came out and said that they weren't leaking shit to them. So clearly, there was a miscommunication in the company somewhere. And all you needed to do was swallow your fucking ego, put that shit to the side, 
and talk it out. And none of it happened. Tony Khan needed to be a leader and he ended up being a fucking fan. He ended up being somebody that doesn't resemble a fucking boss. But if Tony Khan brings back CM Punk and none of these things happen, an apology to the locker room doesn't happen, an apology to upper management, an apology to the Young Bucks, a Young Bucks apology to CM Punk, Kenny Omega apology, Paige apology to Punk, and vice versa. If none of this happens, we may be realistically looking at a AEW with no elite attached to it. Now, Punk comes back, and Tony Khan welcomes CM Punk back to the locker room. None of this happens. Never mind the fucking elite. How many people right now don't want CM Punk? How many people in that locker room, not named the elite, want CM Punk back? He's got so much heat on him right now that it is fucking unreal, according to reports. The heat on CM Punk is magma level. So if he comes back and people right now don't want him back, now I don't know if the apology would mean anything if there's an apology, but if he doesn't apologize and comes on back, how many people right now are going to leave? When, when their existing contracts are up, how many people are going to walk out because CM Punk walked back into the company and nothing will change. Nothing. What Tony Khan needs to do is take this situation and make it right. If there is somebody like this who obviously bullshitted his way into the first dance and now where, where we see it is going against everything that he just said, you're going to allow this man back into the locker room? You need to make an example out of him. If Tony Khan wants to be a fucking boss and a leader, step one was already taking place on Dynamite. Strip Punk of the World Championship, obviously that is more injury than anything. Nobody knows if CM Punk would have been stripped if he wasn't injured. That's the fucking question. That's the million-dollar question. Would CM Punk be stripped of the title if Tony Khan uh, had CM Punk 100% healthy coming out of All Out? I don't know. We may never know. The Young Bucks, they got stripped of their trio championships. I feel bad. I honestly feel bad for Tony Khan. This was a story that he waited. The trio's titles were a fucking thing that he waited for Kenny Omega to come back from. He builds this entire tournament around Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, gives them the fucking championship, and then has to take the championship off of them not even 24 hours later because of this situation. Basically, everything that he did and all the stories that he told going into All Out, the two major stories going into All Out, he had to show up on Wednesday's Dynamite and pretend like anything that we saw on Sunday's pay-per-view never happened. He told these stories and gave us these matches, and they meant nothing because he had to undo everything because of this situation. I genuinely feel bad for him, but also at the same time, he can look himself in the mirror and ask himself, what happened? You have nobody to blame but yourself. You could have diffused this. Most of this could have been diffused if you or you had people in place to diffuse this shit and facilitate some sort of communication. And that did not happen. If Punk walks back into this locker room and they pretend like everything is fucking rainbows and sunshine, how many people in this locker room are going to want to remain a part of this locker room? I don't know. That's a big, big, big story that is going to need attention in the next nine months. He's got nine months. He's got nine months to think about it. Cooler heads may prevail. Nine months is a long time for CM Punk to sit at home with his torn tricep and think about 
and write up an apology for the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks can do the same. We don't even know how long they're going to be suspended. It could be, it could be four weeks. It could be eight weeks. It could be 90 days. I don't know. I don't know how long they're suspended. But you don't want this to continue to get worse. That show on Wednesday served as a reset. That locker room meeting with Brian and Moxley and Jericho served as a reset. It served as a reset with proper leadership. Now you know why the rumored main event for Grand Slam is Moxley versus Brian Danielson. That's the right way to go about it because those are the two guys that that locker room sees as leaders. Jericho's in the tournament. He's looked at as a leader. That locker room now resembles what it looked like on day one. Happy, hopeful, prideful, excited. CM Punk walks in there and that locker room is turned upside down almost immediately. That's not what you want. This was a huge fucking embarrassment. CM Punk was back for us. CM Punk was back because of the young talent in that locker room. CM Punk was back to build AEW and give them a fighting chance in a market that is dominated by WWE. And what he did on Sunday night was selfish, it was embarrassing, and it nearly crippled the fucking company from within. And Tony Khan, he ran right over Tony Khan without even hesitating as if he was the fucking boss, as if CM Punk was the fucking boss. You got EVPs fucking supposedly kicking doors down. You got fucking people fighting in the back. You got EVPs, executive vice presidents of the company, fighting with talent. They're looked at as leaders of this locker room, and they looked at this situation as if it was okay. But at the end of the day, it was embarrassment. They embarrassed themselves. Punk was stripped of the title. They were stripped of the trio championships. Good. I'd go a step further. I'd strip the fucking EVP titles from Matt, Nick, and Kenny Omega as well. Because what they did was embody anything but EVPs. And CM Punk, nine months is a long time. I hope, I hope that this serves as a learning lesson for CM Punk. If not, and none of what I said happens... The shit that needs to happen, if none of what I said happens, I want CM Punk personally gone from AEW. Because I'm here for AEW. I'm not here for CM Punk. I'm here for AEW. He's turned a good thing into a fucking terrible thing. He embarrassed not only AEW, but he embarrassed the fans. I don't even know how he could show his fucking face after he gets back and rehabilitates, I don't even know how he could show his fucking face in front of the fans without apologizing to everybody, apologizing to us, apologizing to, to the elite, apologizing to Tony Khan. You can sit there and feel whatever you want about Cole Cabana. You can feel however you want to feel. Nobody is telling you otherwise. But if you're going to walk back in here and none of what I said happens, he needs to be gone because this locker room will never, never allow him back. And what this will do is it will further kill the company and Tony Khan will never have a fighting chance at anything, let alone fucking running a goddamn AEW. So yes, CM Punk should be fucking let go. There are people talking about Punk. Is he going to get fired? We don't know. It's nine months. It's nine months. In the days that have followed the stories, we heard CM Punk's side of the story. We heard the elite's side of the story. Those that have been in touch with CM Punk and A-Steel have softened on their stance that the Young Bucks definitely kicked the door down. That was reported, and it was not the case. 
They did not kick the door down. It was more like they waltzed in there because the door was open. And then the six-minute melee happened. Instead, they followed up with the idea that they could have kicked the door, shouldered the door, forced their way in. They said that kicking the door down was certainly a turn of phrase in that sense and should have been clarified. The reason given that was Punk didn't feel like talking to anyone as he was either getting medical attention or had just been given it to take care of his cut because he was bleeding during the scrum. Now, Sam Punk just said in the scrum that his door is always open. If you have a problem with me, come find me. And that's exactly what they did. They basically took him up on his offer. Meanwhile, he didn't want to talk to anybody. Meanwhile, you got the world champion out there just winning the world championship from John Moxley, who's the ace of this company, and you're acting like a fucking prick. You're acting like an embarrassment, somebody that shouldn't even be holding a championship, let alone the fucking world championship. You made a public embarrassment of yourself and the company and the championship. Meanwhile, he's in the locker room, and the next thing you know, he's throwing fists at fucking Nick Jackson or Matt Jackson, one or the other. The side has also said that because of Ace Steel and him biting and throwing chairs, going from his wife being near to him believing Kenny Omega was attacking CM Punk when he was trying to pull Punk off of one of the bucks. We have to reiterate this report from Fightful says the accounts of the fight are wildly different on both sides. And that's what we talked about on Wednesday. If you guys want to go back and listen to right at the top, when we start Wednesday's podcast, we talk about everything regarding both sides of these stories. And even different versions of each side shouldn't be taken as gospel. They are just what have been relayed to people close to them. So far, talent haven't been told explicitly what is to become of CM Punk, but most of them we spoke with are under the impression that it's all pending an investigation. I have no idea of what the investigation is going to find. I don't know what I could possibly say as far as the investigation. Tony Khan doesn't want this any more out in the public than it already has been out in the public. So like I said on Wednesday... We may have our own hush money situation with Tony Khan, you know, dumbing all of this down through investigation. I have no idea. We spoke with numerous people on the staff and roster who said that unless Punk's suspension is unpaid or he's fired, it's superficial considering he'll be out of action well into next year. As of Wednesday, much of the heat we're hearing on Punk was just as much about his scrum than anything else. Punk had been long rubbing the locker room the wrong way, but one source said that blaming him for all the locker room issues of late simply was not fair as they had reached an all-time high when Punk was gone. I don't know who's to blame for that. You can blame the elite for that. You can blame Tony Khan for that. And you can blame the lack of structure for that and the the fact that there's no leadership there. When we spoke to the AW roster Wednesday, many indicated that after the show, there was a much more positive vibe with one saying it couldn't have been worse than the chaos of the previous days. That same source said that the situation was out of sight, out of mind. They just wanted to show up and go to work. Another talent said the best way for all parties is to make the public embar- to make up from the public embarrassment would to get over the issues, make money for the company, and highlight talents along the way. Now, we were told at FIFA as of Tuesday, much of the roster didn't know what they were doing or what they were going to allow, or be, be allowed to say, or if they could address this in some way. And some of their content had to be adjusted accordingly because Tony Khan did not mention CM Punk or the Elite by name. They took all of them out of the intro for Dynamite as if they were fucking exiled from the company. 
They mentioned nothing. Commentary didn't mention anything. Tony Khan didn't mention anything. None of them were mentioned on all of Wednesday's Dynamite. And good. Good. Because now it's pending an investigation. And even if there was an investigation going on, I don't think they should have been named anyway. People were like, oh, why didn't he call them out by name? No, you're not. Why? Why do you need to bring more light to them? Why do you need to bring more light to the situation? Just go about taking what you got to take, take the titles off of them, put the titles on somebody else, and move the fuck on. He's going to be out for nine months. The Bucks will be out fucking three months for the suspension. Fine. Don't mention them. No need for them to be mentioned. On Sunday, Fightful had reported that a top talent was set to take some time off, which was John Moxley. John Moxley was confirmed to be going on vacation. He even made light of it in his promo. AW sources had indicated that they planned on him being back by the Cincinnati show in October at least, but he ended up staying to help conduct a talent meeting, add star power to the show, and participate in the title tournament. Ace of the fucking company, MVP of AEW is John Moxley. I don't want to hear any other fucking name mentioned to me this year. After that promo where he went over all this shit, and how happy he was to be here and how he loves AEW and how he was supposed to be, you know, going on vacation and he highlighted the world championship and what that world title means to him and the world title means in this business. That was the promo that needed to be said. And he carried with that promo, he put the weight of his of the company on his entire back once again while CM Punk fucking killed or wanted to kill it. CM Punk didn't give a shit about the company when he was making shit about himself. Moxley came out and made that promo about the company, how fucking proud he is of the company, how proud he is of the world championship, what that world championship means, that he could have been on vacation, but he's fucking here and in this tournament and wants to win the world title. He put that company on his back. And John Moxley deserves all of the fucking praise that one person could give him. Kenny Omega, Christopher Daniels, Michael Nakazawa, Nakazawa, were all slated to be in Japan for the Tokyo Game Show in relation to AW Fight Forever. They haven't been pulled from that. The last thing that I read about Kenny Omega is that he was supposed to be on Swerve Strickland's podcast, and he was pulled due to unfortunate circumstances, which obviously he's suspended, and I guess Tony Khan doesn't want him out there doing public fucking podcasts while he's suspended, because God knows what the fuck is going to come up, which is a safe bet. They should not be doing any public appearances in suspension. They are suspended. They should be suspended. You got to go do the video game because you're the leader of the video game market. And that video game revolves around you. Go do that. Can't get in trouble doing that. We've also heard the same as reported by Wrestling Observer that Chief Legal Officer Megan Parker, I believe her name is, was around for the situation as it all unfolded. She was in the room while the, while the, while the melee happened. The Young Bucks, they sent out feelers to friends in WWE. We talked about this yesterday on an extra. I thank you guys for tuning in. That's nearing 30,000 views as of 24 hours later. Thank you very much. Ryan Frederick posted a follow-up in response to a member of the Observer Forum in regards to the Young Bucks sending out feelers to friends in WWE. Who those friends are, I don't know. It could be Kevin Owens, it could be Sami Zayn, it could be AJ Styles. They know a lot of people in the WWE. It is believed that Matt and Nick Jackson's AEW deals expire at the beginning, not the end of 2024. 
For those of you wondering who Ryan Frederick is, he writes for the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and covers MMA for the site. He also has connections in the wrestling business. Now, Dave Meltzer, he did not say that this was untrue. A lot of people are out there, oh, it's untrue. None of this ever happened. Dave Meltzer basically said that he did not report on this and that his sources told him nothing. This is all Ryan Frederick. Ryan Frederick put his name to it. Ryan Frederick put his name in the Observer on the forums, and he has sources that reached out to him about the Young Bucks putting out feelers to the WWE. Frederick noted that some sites will take his opinion posts and report them as news, but in this case, what he's saying about the Bucks is 100% true. He says this in a follow-up post. In this instance, though, what I said is 100% true, and I have it from multiple people. It's also not a big deal and not really newsworthy. It's not a big deal because this is what happens when you are wanting to leverage a contract for more money on your existing contract or if you want to see the interest there if, you're, uh, if your contract is currently up where you are and there is the possibility of jumping ship, you want to gauge interest on, you know, if they want you or not. What is the interest there? And I find this very, very, you know, I, I would find this bizarre if none of this happened because if this thing didn't happen, then this is a major story. Why, why do the Bucks want out? But all of this happened after the Punk scrum and the comments made by CM Punk. It's basically, and I said this in yesterday's video, you know, we've seen Randy Orton do this. We've seen Edge do this, right? Edge did it before Edge came back and returned to WWE and made his return at the Royal Rumble three years ago. He, he was talking about leveraging AEW as well. WWE found out, now I'll pay you $3 million per. They gave him a $9 million contract for $3 million a year just to not wrestle for AEW because he wanted to go back out there and wrestle. He wasn't sure if WWE was going to clear him. All he had to say was, well, AEW and TK are going to pay me this. No, we'll give you double. Randy Orton, he made a public fucking Instagram post about, you know, leveraging AEW for more money. So the Young Bucks, after all this shit, you know, A, they could be leveraging or it could be, you know, wake-up call for Tony Khan. Hey, if you make the wrong fucking decision here, we have interest from the other side. If he if he allows this shit to fester even more and doesn't take the right path here and, and be a boss and get everybody on the same page, the Bucks are using this as, hey, 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 TK over here. You know, we, we got interest over there. So if you don't fix your shit right now, we are not going to be afraid to jump ship to the other side. That's basically what they're saying, without saying it legitimately. In this instance, it's 100%. It's not really newsworthy. It's not like they actually reached out to WWE management. They told a friend in the company, a fellow wrestler, that they would be willing to listen to offers when their deals are expired, I believe January 2024, and to let it be known. It's something every single wrestler in the business should be doing it's called maximizing your leverage. It is no different than an NFL or MLB player coming into the final year of their contract and letting it be known that they are going to free agency and listening to offers from other teams. And in the sense of independent contractors, it's not different than a NASCAR or Formula One driver letting other teams know that their contract runs out at a certain time and they'll be listening to offers, except wrestling is a weird business where you have to use your friends on the other side to let this message be known. It doesn't mean that they want to leave. 
It means that they're looking to get the best deal they can. That's it. It's a non-story. And if you're a wrestler with a deal coming up in the next 18 months and you aren't playing both sides, you need to fix that, end quote. So to put everybody's fears at ease here, this is not meaning the Young Bucks are going to jump to WWE. Would Triple H love to have the Young Bucks? Absolutely. Would Triple H love to have Kenny Omega? Absolutely. I remember when they negotiated with WWE about potentially coming on in, they negotiated with Triple H. This was before AEW was officially announced. They had nothing but high praise for the negotiation that they sat with uh, in regards to Triple H. The back and forth was great. They praised him. Kenny Omega praised him. It was a great experience for them. You don't think Triple H would want the Young Bucks? Kenny Omega? They'd fit right on WWE television. Put them in a feud with the Usos, the Elite versus the Bloodline. I mean, give me a break. The Elite versus the New Day. The Elite versus the New Day. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy what they could do. They'd fit right in. They'd fit like a glove. Triple H would have interest in rebuilding the tag team division. Kenny Omega would be day one main event superstar. I did say, though, that the trust coming on in, you know, their, their issues in their politics, it's not going to get, you know, to a point like it is now in the WWE. They'd be on a very short lease. How much of that locker room is going to trust them? How much is WWE management going to trust them if they come on into the company? You know, Cody Rhodes is another one that they could have reached out to. Yo, Cody, send the word out. Let us know how they're feeling. We're potentially thinking about coming on in when our contracts are up. You know, Cody could be a difference maker there. Cody Rhodes left AEW for whatever reason. He's in WWE now, more than likely going to be the WWE champion when all is said and done. You know, he's being treated like a fucking king over there. Who's to say he's not the one facilitating, reeling in the elite, reeling in an MJF or Wardlow or a Kenny Omega or an Adam Page, you know? It's crazy. It's crazy what could possibly be two, three, four years from now. But the trust issue there with the Young Bucks going to that locker room, I mean, we're not going to talk about that now because, like I said, this is a non-issue. Like this report said, it's a non-issue. It's only a negotiation tactic. But it won't be only a negotiation tactic if Tony Khan doesn't step up, grow a pair of balls, and become the fucking leader that he needs to be. Because I'm genuinely concerned that this is going to fester and fester and fester, and there's not going to be any resolution. Everybody needs to swallow their fucking pride and swallow that bitter pill. Get the fuck over it. This is not fucking Bayside High. This is not fucking high school, okay? Swallow that bitter pill, apologize, and get back to fucking work. Make your money, put talent over, have fun, and get back to fucking work. That's what needs to happen. Frederick also stated that it doesn't matter if it was now or at any point in the future before their contracts run out, they were going to reach out. It's inevitable. And why this is a complete non-story, to be honest, and the feeler I was talking about happened before the incidents of the past weekend, for the record, it was a few weeks ago that they sent feelers out there to WWE or friends inside WWE. It's just plain common sense. So it's a non-issue. It won't be a non-issue if Tony Khan doesn't step up and do what he has to do. MJF is involved in the CM Punk elite all-out fight investigation. This is coming from Dave Meltzer. He noted a number of neutral parties who are believed to have seen what happened will also be questioned. One of these people is MJF. 
Nobody was talking about MJF after the fucking pay-per-view was over. As Punk made everything about Colt Cabana, made everything about himself. Nobody was talking about MJF after Sunday night, and he came back after sitting out all summer. This could be a dark side of the ring fucking documentary on itself. The summer of Punk and what could have been. I feel genuinely bad for MJF. This was supposed to be his crowning moment. It will still end up being his crowning moment. Whether it's Brian or John Moxley, he'll get it. But Punk isn't going to be a part of that. I don't even think Punk fucking cares, to be quite honest with you. Which is a sad fucking thing to think about. Because this was supposed to be about him being the world champion, carrying the company on his back, being the leader that he was supposed to be, and passing the torch to, to, to uh, MJF. And that did not happen. Now we have to rely on one of the true leaders of the locker room to do that because CM Punk fucking failed as he should have been the leader but showed us that he was nowhere close to being the leader he thought he was. The company has brought in an independent firm to investigate and do video interviews with everyone in the room, which included all the names mentioned above, as well as many others, including a number of neutral parties who were in the room and were believed to have seen everything that happened. Backstage, the key names that would have been included were Max Friedman and Chief Legal Officer Megan Parker, I believe her name is. Until the investigation is completed, those involved in the melee were suspended. All long-term decisions regarding anything to do with them are pending until the investigation is complete. There still could be outside legal proceedings regarding the fight from different sides. I don't expect AEW to ever address the specifics of what happened. Depending on the timing or threats of legal action, we don't know if the key parties will talk. It is believed that some want to talk and tell their side of the story when they can. It's likely that the investigation will go on for some time. And speaking of some time, CM Punk will be out of action for up to nine months after undergoing surgery for a torn tricep muscle. The rest of the people involved in the fight, including Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, are suspended for an unconfirmed amount of time. I don't know what's going to go on with the investigation, but you're not going to hear about any of these men for the foreseeable future, and business will be conducted on AEW Dynamite without them, which I think is the right decision. No mention of them, nothing to do with them, and just move on. Like I said, Wednesday's Dynamite served as a reset for AEW, and it, 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 it could be felt in the show. I felt it. I seen it. Promos by Moxley, promos by Wardlow. They were stand-up-and-shout promos. Stand up for the company, stand up for the locker room, and they were real leadership promos. And it felt like a reset button. It felt like something that you would see in year one, year two AEW, and not the fucking bullshit that we're going through right now. This is definitely a dark period for the company. It's not a dark period for Mindy's Bakery, though. Mindy's Bakery is coming out looking like a heel, just like CM Punk. CM Punk gave them a shout-out in Chicago. Mindy's Bakery. Since then, wrestling, fl- wrestling fans have been flooding the reviews of Mindy's Bakery. They left some hilarious reviews for the bakery on Google. And I'm going to read some of them to you right now in what I call a lighthearted moment here after talking about all the fucking doldrums and the drama uh, of AEW. One review says... It's Mindy's Bakery, and you know what that means. All elite deliciousness. Another fan says, unbelievably tasty muffins. Never heard of this place before, but was just in the neighborhood, and I thought I'd give it a try. 
My dear mother, Marsha, also enjoyed it. Marsha's the name of Cole Cabana's mother. Then I asked her if we can share her bank account, and she says yes, which is very kind of her. Then I punched Matt in, the, in his face. Then Ace bit Kenny, etc. This was a review on Google from Mindy's Bakery. Another review says, enough sugar and carbs to call out everyone you hate in the media scrum. Then, but then again, who cares what the media says? Pudding and burger is definitely terrific. Go to Mindy's, everyone. Great bakery. The real consequences of eating their tasty muffins actually start after a few minutes when your coworkers want to meet you and find out how tasty these muffins were. They even led to one coworker saving a dog. Recommended 10 out of 10, especially if you are in a media scrum. Even though I have a joint bank account with my mother, I go to this place every day except, of course, Monday and Tuesday. I have every receipt. I have every invoice. Another one says, I have never been to Mindy's Bakery before. Gives me a reason to go to Chicago and talk to the cashiers about colleagues not taking any veteran advice. Look into my eyes. What do you see? Two muffins with moist consistency. That one was my favorite. My buddy Ace visited here after failing to eat Kenneth Omega awesome muffins. And finally, my buddy Phil suggested this place to me. And wow, best in the world, may I say. Gotta love wrestling fans, man. You gotta love wrestling fans. I thought that was great. A little lighthearted humor here after all the fucking negativity. Caused by all this. At the end of the day, guys, I want AEW to thrive. I'm a big CM Punk guy. I am. It pains me to say this because I was so excited about him coming on in. AEW was riding high last year with him in. And it seems like it's taken a complete 180. The leadership that he wanted or, or the leadership that he made us believe in is not there. The locker room environment that, you know, we thought was there was not there. The Young Bucks as EVPs, it looks like they were just as big of a headache as CM Punk. Tony Khan let the inmates run the asylum. He let shit run amok. He needs to be the boss that he needs to be. If they do not apologize to each other, I I don't know. I don't know what will happen with CM Punk. If he comes back, it's going to be absolutely chaos all over again. If he apologizes to the locker room and apologizes to do better and apologizes to the Bucks then maybe we can turn this into a real money-making opportunity, honestly. And the TV would be better off for it. The company would be better off, it, better off for it. Move past it. Move on. But if Tony Khan does not get any of this, I'm cutting punk loose, and I'm going right back to the fucking roots. You go to what brought you to the dance. It wasn't CM Punk. The only thing that would persuade Tony Khan to keep CM Punk involved and with the company, is the TV rights deal negotiations that's coming up next year. Without Punk, I don't know how much Warner Media is going to believe in AEW. I don't. He was the sole reason why Tony Khan threw as much money as he did at CM Punk. With Punk, business has been up. I don't know about the ratings. It's going to be one of the other things. I'm glad I'm bringing this up now. One of the things that you really need to keep an eye on is how the ratings are going to be affected without CM Punk. If they are trending a million and they're right where they are every single week without Punk for the next nine months, how big of an influence was Punk on the TV ratings? Not much. Punk's pay-per-view interest has been there, right? That all-out show, 200,000 buys last year against Darby Allen. 
That was a great show. But CM Punk, ever since then, you know, he wants to claim that Page is, you know, uh, an amateur that doesn't take veteran advice. Adam Page versus Kenny Omega was one of the highest grossing pay-per-views for full gear in company history. I don't think CM Punk this year alone has topped what Adam Page and Kenny Omega and the story that they told there with Page winning the world championship. I don't think Kenny Omega, uh, or CM Punk rather, topped Kenny Omega and Adam Page this year with pay-per-view buys. CM Punk and John Moxley main evented all out in Chicago. Their biggest show of the year with one of the biggest matches in company history, and it did less than 150,000 buys. So for all the advice that Adam Page supposedly needs, seems to be doing pretty well for himself, right? This is the only reason why, again, we have nine months. Tony Khan has nine months to think about what he needs to do with Punk, and hopefully cooler heads will prevail. He wants Punk there for the TV rights negotiations. If he doesn't have CM Punk, I don't know if he's going to get the money that he so desires from Warner Media for a contract extension on TNT TBS. Things need to work out here. For the best. And if nobody wants to work and do business and put this shit away and let it be water under the bridge, then he has to do one thing and one thing only, and that is get rid of the cancer known as CM Punk from the locker room. Otherwise, there will never be any harmony, and you may end up doing more harm than good. The elite may not be the only ones that you lose. You may lose a good chunk of that locker room because they don't want to be there and work with CM Punk. There is currently major heat. I don't know why this is in the news, but this is in the news. There's currently major heat on Peter Rosenberg following his response to Tony Khan's recent AEW announcement. On September 7th of Dynamite, Tony Khan confirmed that Punk was stripped of the world title and the Elite was stripped of the trio championships. This came after the backstage fight involving Punk and everybody involved. Tony Khan has been criticized by some for not interrupting Punk's rant or sticking up for AEW's EVPs during the scrum. Peter Rosenberg, a known WWE shill, said this on Twitter, and he has taken to Twitter to argue that Vince McMahon would have handled this situation better, writing, surprise TK chose not to address anything head-on. We know what Vincent Kennedy McMahon would have done. I don't know why this was a topic. I don't know why this was said. Vincent Kennedy McMahon has his own fucking problems, and Vincent Kennedy McMahon has done his talent just as wrong as anybody else. There's a reason why Sasha Banks and Naomi dropped those fucking championships on John Laurinaitis's desk. WWE took the low road and called them unprofessional. Tony Khan did the right thing and took the high road, did what he needed to do, and didn't mention their fucking names and didn't publicly blast them on social media. Fuck Peter Rosenberg. What a complete fucking moron. What a shill. Yes, let's all be like Vince McMahon and blast our talent on television and make things a lot worse. What a terror. On top of all the terrible takes he has already, there's another one you can add on top of the already terrible takes he has on WWE's pre-shows. What a complete fucking geek. Honestly. If you look at the replies and quote tweets, Rosenberg's tweet has not gone down well with fans. It had, last time I checked, over 200 quote tweets as of this writing, and the majority of them are very critical of his comment. Vince McMahon notably announced his retirement in July, obviously with the hush-packed allegations, and Rosenberg 
He's been working with WWE since 2016 as he regularly appears as a panelist on their kickoff shows. Get him out. Peter Rosenberg is fucking terrible. I got my cat. What do you want? What do you want? I may have to step away and get her the fuck out of here, guys. Listen, before I do that, before I do that, I want to shout out my sponsor. What do you want? You got your food there. I don't know what you're crying about. Tonight's show is sponsored by Monk Pack. One of my favorite recent tasty treats, man. Monk Pack. This one's coconut cocoa chip. I love it. It's great. You guys can try Monk Pack and try it out for yourself, man. Tonight's show is sponsored by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low-sugar, keto-friendly bars, which are plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better, cut back on sugar like I am. I've been making a very fruitful attempt at cutting back on sugar and carbs. And Monk, Monk Pack, man, great taste. They do all this without sacrificing the taste. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars and Nut and Seed Bars contain one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and each bar contains 150 calories. It's soft, it's chewy, just like a, a granola bar that you remember from your childhood. Tastes great, soft and chewy, and it tastes, even though it's healthy, man, it, it, it tastes great. None of that taste is sacrificed at all. Monk Pack has several flavors. I got the coconut cocoa chip. We got sea salt dark chocolate. We got caramel sea salt, peanut butter cocoa chip, dark chocolate cocoa. Great. Perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack in between calls, guilt-free, indulgent dessert. And by shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store and have Monk Pack delivered right to your door. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com or clicking the link that I pinned at the top of the comment section after this video goes live. You're going to use that code SCRIPT at checkout at MonkPack.com, 20% off, and you're good to go, man. Also, MonkPack is so confident in their product that it's backed by a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. MonkPack.com, and I want to thank them for once again supporting the podcast right here on Off the Script. Monday Night Raw. The ratings are in for Monday's Raw, September 5th. Once again, over 2 million viewers. 2.054 million viewers, slightly down from the August 29th edition, which drew a 2.107 million viewership. Monday Night Raw's been over two, man. Triple H has worked wonders for Monday Night Raw. 18 to 49 demo, we got a 0.58 rating. That is also slightly down from the week prior which did a 0.59. Monday Night Raw ranked number two in the demo on cable for the night. Braun Strowman returned. He destroyed the entire tag team division, which I thought was ridiculous. Bobby Lashley beat the Miz in a steel cage match to retain the United States Championship after Dexter Loomis appeared from underneath the ring, got into the ring, and choked out the Miz to end the show. This Monday is going to be very interesting. Monday Night Football, how is Triple H going to combat Monday Night Football 
Will he do anything? I know Vince McMahon did nothing about combating Monday Night Football. I wonder what Triple H is going to do to combat Monday Night Football. And it's going to be interesting to see what the ratings are going to be every Monday night during football season. Is it going to go down to what it used to be? Or is it going to maintain that momentum and be hovering where it is right now? We'll find out on Tuesday. It's going to be very interesting to watch the ratings for Monday Night Raw. Braun Strowman, he returned to Monday's Raw. He made his return on Monday Night Raw as he interrupted a number one contendership match, Fatal 4-Way, that saw the Alpha Academy, Chad Gable, and Otis versus Los Lotharios, Angel Garza, and Humberto Carrillo. The New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods and the Street Profits, Angela Dawkins and Montez Ford, Fatal 4-Way, number one contendership was ruined as Braun Strowman took out the Profits, Alpha Academy, and Los Lotharios and a bunch of security guards who tried to stop the melee. The segment ended with Strowman hitting his finisher on Dawkins through the announce table. This was absolutely fucking pathetic. Braun Strowman coming back after over a year off of WWE television going right back to the same fucking thing that he did before he left. And they treated the tag team division like a bunch of fucking jobbers. Then he did the same thing on Friday and destroyed Alpha Academy again. Why? Why? You want me to be excited about Braun Strowman's return? Right now, I'm not. Right now, Braun Strowman, to me, is vilified because that was a terrible creative decision. And that's exactly what they did to get people to dislike him in the first place. You got to do better. Eight men should not be destroyed for one Braun Strowman. Especially all of the tag team division. And Alpha Academy, I said this on Friday. What a disgrace about Alpha Academy being destroyed. This is so beneath Gable and Otis. So beneath. Gable has been so fucking great. He's knocked every segment out of the park that you put him in. And that's what you repay him with? Strowman, they better have some fucking plan for him. I don't know what the fucking plan is, but they better have something solid. Otherwise, this return is going to be deemed a failure immediately. PW Insider reported that Strowman will be a regular on SmackDown going forward, and he will be obviously a babyface. WWE confirmed shortly after his return that he would appear on Friday's episode of SmackDown. Strowman was let go by the WWE last year as a part of a company budget cuts under Vince McMahon and worked on the independent scene as well uh, for the Control Your Narrative promotion. I guess he controlled his narrative. No more, uh, no more narrative to be controlled, right? He's back. It was assumed that Strowman's Control Your Narrative departure was a pretty big deal since he, along with EC3, helped create and establish the new promotion. Karrion Cross was also a part of that, so EC3 right now is all by himself. He's got only his narrative to control. So the company put out a statement and said, Sin would like to wish Adam... Share! Stupid! The best on his return to form as Braun Strowman in the WWE. To control your narrative is to tell your story, and the story of Braun Strowman is unfinished business. Sure it is. The story of Braun Strowman is destroy the tag team divisions and make his return look like a fucking failure. That was one of the worst returns that I've ever seen. And we don't need that again, ever. You want me to care about him? He needs to be better booked creatively on the show. I, 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 said, this, I said this on Monday. It was a Labor Day show. 
It honestly felt like Triple H took the weekend off and was in the Hamptons with Stephanie McMahon. It honestly felt like a Bruce Pritchard show. Bruce was a part of that fucking Braun Strowman, the one that went, and ran through the tag team division like he did. Honestly felt like Triple H took the day off. Yeah, Bruce, run the show. I'm going to be in the Hamptons with the wife. I'll be back next week. That's what it felt like to me. Champa. He changed his mind about wrestling for the WWE on the main roster. Feifel spoke with Champa about his call-up. Champa told Feifel that for a long time, he felt like his career was ending soon. And now he didn't feel like he wanted it to end. And with his neck, he's good to go. Instead, now he feels like he's just finished the first half of his career because he's learned how to wrestle with the neck injury and not being in pain. He said a lot of things changed from the world, his life and maturity that made him open about going to Raw and SmackDown. Also, Vince McMahon retiring and Triple H taking over obviously was the cherry on top of this decision Sunday. He had a great promo on Raw Talk a few weeks back. Champa said that, you know, you got a lot more freedom now and told uh, Fightful that WWE told him to say whatever he wanted as long as he made the points he needed to. Miz also encouraged him to improvise along the way too, and that's a lot coming from The Miz because The Miz cut that promo on Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack all those years ago. You know, the one that really got people excited about a potential WrestleMania match between that two, and WWE never followed up on it. Probably one of the probably the best Miz promo ever on that talking smack. So he was giving guidance on Champa and his raw talk segment. Go out there and do what I did. Go out there and pour your heart out. And that's exactly what he did. He spoke about the Cruiserweight Classic. He said that he wasn't originally on the list. He told William Regal that he wanted to be in the tournament. Just wanted to face Johnny Gargano. Regal encouraged him to pitch it to Triple H, who said he'd consider it, and it ended up happening, which I'm glad it did because. That match served as the foundation for what would go on to be one of the greatest feuds in WWE history. And a feud that really transcended the black and gold. Champa should be great. Now that he's got his first name back, I said this on Monday, I honestly do think that he's in cahoots with Dexter Loomis. I do. I think Dexter Loomis and Tommaso Champa are working together. It's the only logical explanation I could come up with. But I'm glad that he's there. Tommaso Ciampa serves as a veteran. He's a great promo. He's an excellent in-ring performer. This guy could break out on the main roster. I hope to see what we all fell in love with with Ciampa on NXT television, now on the main roster, especially with Triple H in charge. You know he's going to be handled well. And I'm like, how could you just not call him up and treat him like you did in NXT? Vince would have never seen that. Vince would have never done that. Now we're looking at Triple H running the show And things are vastly different. He's not going anywhere. And that's why Johnny Gargano came back. And Johnny Gargano was actually quoted this week as well. He explained why he didn't wrestle in Cleveland or make his debut rather in Cleveland. But instead of Cleveland, it was Toronto. On his raw return and why he didn't debut in Cleveland. He said it happened so fast. The whole thing. It's very fun to be able to literally keep a secret in a time period where that doesn't happen. Everything leaks nowadays. Everything in wrestling leaks. I remember when I was younger, I loved things during the Attitude Era where you'd be watching Nitro or you're watching Raw and someone just showed up and you're like, what the hell is going on? I can't believe they're here. The dirt sheets and things like 
that were around, but it also wasn't as prevalent as it is today with the internet and whatnot. That was the most important thing to me for this secret, for this return, was to make it a complete surprise. And it was, because I heard that, I heard Rebel Heart go off. I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't expect it. We knew that it was coming, but we didn't know when. He wanted to make it a surprise. Obviously, I could have come back two weeks prior in Cleveland, but everyone believed that. Everyone thought that it was going to happen there. That's probably why it didn't happen. It would have been great. I would love to come back to my hometown. I still haven't wrestled in that arena, which is mind-blowing to me. Outside of when I was Cedric Von Hausen, that was a different character. It's a different universe. It was really important for me to just keep this whole thing under wraps as much as possible. I'm glad he didn't debut in Cleveland. And I was not upset that he didn't debut in Cleveland because I remember on that show I said everybody expected Johnny Gargano back in Cleveland. But it's not what Triple H does. Triple H likes to keep you on your toes. Triple H likes to give you something that you were expecting and he likes to deliver something else completely. He likes to keep you on your toes. He likes to be unpredictable. And that's exactly what Triple H did. Toronto of all places. Why Toronto? First time WWE's been in Toronto on Monday Night Raw all year. Toronto was a big city with, you know, Johnny Gargano, one of Johnny Gargano's greatest WWE matches where they know him. It worked out great. And he's making his Raw in-ring debut tomorrow night, which I'm very excited about. So we'll see what Johnny Gargano does tomorrow on Monday Night Raw. AEW all-out pay-per-view buys. Like I mentioned before, they did less than 150,000 buys on pay-per-view. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest Observer Newsletter that they did between 135 and 142,000 pay-per-view buys. It should be noted that this is based on U.S. cable satellite numbers. Meltzer wrote that all-out will be well below both Revolution and Double or Nothing. Last year's all-out did... 205,000 buys as it featured CM Punk's first match back since 2014. Adam Hangman Page. Adam Hangman Page wrestled Kenny Omega. Full Gear did 180,000 plus buys. But he wrestled John Moxley in the main event of AEW's biggest show of the year. All Out is their biggest... If you were to correlate All Out, it is their WrestleMania, right? They don't have that big stadium show yet. But All Out is their biggest pay-per-view of the year. It's bigger than Double or Nothing. Double or Nothing is big. Revolution's big. But All Out is big. It's their biggest. And he wrestled John Moxley in the main event in Chicago. And he came in well below what Adam Page and Kenny Omega did at Full Gear last year. How much of a ratings success and a pay-per-view buy rate success is CM Punk? How will he be if he does come back? Time will tell. But if nothing changes, like I said, and I will say it again, he needs to get the fuck out. Dynamite, for third week in a row, did over a million viewers. 1.035 million viewers up from the, uh, the week prior. 1.020 was the show last week. 18 to 49 demo, the show did a 0.38, which is up from the 0.35. Dynamite ranked number two in the cable top 150. On cable for the night, same as last week, which is a number two ranking the key demo was the highest rating since June 1st and the highest total viewership since March 23rd. In the latest Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer noted that while many were happy with the quality of this past week's AEW Dynamite, considering everything that happened at the All Out Media Scrum, others have been left feeling depressed. 
Writing in The Observer, Meltzer said, and I quote, several noted how proud they were after all of this bad publicity that they were able to put together such a strong TV show on 9-7 and most were excited about the future. But others noted being depressed with how everything had gone down over the past week. Fightful Select provided an update on the backstage environment at Dynamite following this controversy as well. The report notes that after speaking with some of the AW roster, many indicated that after the show, there was a much more positive vibe with one saying it could be much worse than the chaos of the previous days. Out of sight, out of mind is what I said earlier is what was being reported. Another talent said that the best way for all parties is to make up for the public embarrassment would, would be to get over the issues and make money for the company and highlight other talent along the way. Freddie Prinze Jr. said that his friends in AEW says it sucks backstage. On his podcast, Freddie Prinze Jr. said, and I quote, I don't know what's going on there. I have a couple of friends who work there who just say it sucks backstage. They need leadership or someone from the outside that is in a position of power above the EVPs that ain't having this or at least can bring people together and say, have, have it, you know, hash it out right now. Or even if it makes you guys throw some punches, I'll drive you to the doctor as soon as it's over. I don't know what's going on there, but if they don't get their shit together, Triple H is going to run away with the wrestling business. Simply just run away with it. He ain't wrong. I said this in my last two AEW rants, and I'll say it again here for a third time. He is that fucking sleeping dragon in the mountain. You don't want him to awaken. And Tony Khan knows this. And he needs to get back to what brought him to the table and what got everybody excited about AEW. We don't need this drama. The fans don't want the drama. How many people have you turned off to the company with this drama? If it sucks backstage, you got to believe somebody like Freddie Freddie Prince Jr. because he's got connections. He's about to start his own wrestling promotion. Who, who, Who knows who he's talked to? But after the Dynamite show... Positive vibes were felt backstage. The promo that Moxley cut, the promo that Wardlow cut, the locker room meeting that Moxley, Brian, and Jericho led, said to be the best, the best backstage um, meeting that they've had ever. So hopefully things are on the right path. But you don't want people going out there saying it sucks backstage. You don't want that. You don't want that out there. He's got a lot of thinking to do, does Tony Khan. Christian Cage, apparently his injury is legit. On Wednesday's Dynamite, Jungle Boy alluded to Cage getting his surgery done in a promo, which I thought he did great. Jungle Boy's promo on Dynamite was great. The first time that Cage being injured was mentioned on AEW programming was this promo by Jungle Boy. While speaking on this week's Observer, Dave Meltzer noted that Christian Cage is also expected to be on the shelf for at least eight months to fix a torn triceps, similar injury that CM Punk is dealing with. His injury may be the exact same injury as Punk, So we're talking again like an eight-month-ish to six to nine-month time frame of Christian Cage being out. That sucks. That honestly sucks. Another Tony Khan cannot catch a break this year at all. Another storyline put on hold, and it has to wait until the injury to Christian Cage is over and done with. Christian Cage, he was a big part of that, obviously. He was going to feud with Jungle Boy. Now we know why the match at All Out was so brief. He did what he did to get off television and go get his injury taken care of. Now we got Luchasaurus to look at against Jungle Boy. It's going to be interesting to see what they come up with as far as advancing the storyline now with just Luchasaurus on television. But that's a tough break for AEW, man. Really, really tough break. 
Malachi Black. That was the other big story this week. He was granted his conditional release from AEW. Fightful reported this week that Malachi Black had asked for his AEW release in August, but that request was not granted. AEW, in an official capacity, had told us the rumors that he was gone from the company weren't true. That's all fightful that they weren't true. But it would seem that they changed their stance. Numerous talent informed is that they've been told that Malachi Black is done with the company for the foreseeable future, with many saying that he got his release. AEW sources claim that the release is highly conditional, which isn't usually the case for the company. I mean, he's got a five-year deal. He signed for five years. He had four, de- four years left on his deal. Of course, it's going to come with a highly conditional release. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but he ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Usually, AEW doesn't even release talent outside of disciplinary reasons, and requests for release are done on a case-by-case basis. But told by many in the company that Tony Khan specifically wanted to retain Black and hoped to see him a part of the brand for years to come. There were efforts to have conversations to salvage the working relationship that AEW believed were fruitful. However, we're told that a meeting took place sometime recently and it was decided that if Black wanted out, they should probably allow it. Now, the reason for the release was, you know, not injury-related, but it was more mental health than anything. And if that's the case, I'm glad Tony Khan buckled down and did the right thing and said, you know what, we'll let you go. Conditional release, but we'll let you go. We'll we'll go let you take care of what you need to take care of, personal reasons at home, mental instability, whatever the case may be. He did go out on social media and claim that the reason why he hasn't really been featured the way that fans would like him to is because he was dealing with a back injury that basically he contemplated retirement over. But it's cited that it's mental health reasons, personal reasons to go take care of shit that he's got going on in his personal life. I feel sorry for him. And if that's the case, we wish him absolutely nothing but the best. But the thing is, it's a five-year deal with four years left remaining. Of course, it's going to be a conditional release. Everybody's already thinking that he's going back to WWE. He wanted out to go back to WWE because now Triple H is in charge. Tony Khan didn't want to lose him. My question is, what happens to the House of Black? What happens to the House of Black? They're not the House of Black anymore. What does Buddy Matthews do? What does Brody King do? Do they go now and be a tag team? Do they come up with a different tag team name for them? Are they managed by Julia Hart? He did all this. Malachi put so much effort into the Julia Hart story and to get Buddy Matthews into the House of Black, and he hand-shows Brody King to be a part of the House. Now they're not the House of Black anymore. That's my question. What do we do with the House of Black? Are they going to want to remain with AEW? Do they go and be a tag team? Do they go and form a new house? Do they go and break out as singles guys? I could see Buddy Matthews wrestling Pack for the All-Atlantic Championship. I could see Buddy Matthews wrestling Wardlow for the TNT Championship. I could see Brody King breaking out on his own. This may actually be a good thing. I don't want to sound all negative here because House of Black isn't going to be featured. We all love the House of Black. We all want the best for the House of Black, but this could be a great thing for Brody King. This could be a great thing for Buddy Matthews. Buddy Matthews is one of the most talented fucking wrestlers on the planet. And Brody King showed you exactly how good he is in the little time that he got pushed, decimating Darby Allen. So I'd love to see them both break out on their own. They don't need Malachi to do that. As a group, they were great. 
individually, they were just as great. That's why everybody loved the House of Black. So I'm interested to see what they do without Malachi. Now, I hope it's a case. You know, again, cooler heads may prevail if he gets better and he has that door open. Apparently, the door is still open for him to come back. If he wants to come back, the door will be open to go out and serve his remaining time in AEW. But we don't know what comes along with that highly conditional release. Could be a year, could be two years. We don't know. But if Malachi is unhappy, which we know he was unhappy creatively, happy at home, unhappy at home rather, is much different than being unhappy creatively. When you're going through both, forget about it. I mean, it's like the world is fucking ending. But now he's home to take care of what he's doing. We knew he, is, he, he was unhappy creatively. But hopefully, while he gets himself better, he joins AEW once again. Obviously, Tony Khan wants him back. You know, everybody's going to talk about, oh, he wants to go work for Triple H. He wants to go be back with Triple H. He wants to, you know, go back to what Triple H did in NXT. I could see him serving out his time and going back to WWE under Triple H's leadership now and being presented as the Malachi or Aleister Black that he was in NXT. But outside that, we don't know. This is going to be a long time before we see him do anything. I just want him to get healthy. I do. He should have been at the top of the card. He should have been a, a huge fucking piece to the future of that company. He was a world championship caliber athlete coming on into the company. This is not the last time we've seen him in a wrestling ring. Not at all. He's contemplated retirement before. He was unhappy. I don't think this is the last time we will see him in a wrestling ring, whether that's AEW or WWE. I just want him to be happy. It's the only time we'll tell here. But again, Buddy Matthews and Brody King, that's the bigger question. What do we do? What does Tony Khan do with those two guys? He's got two huge talents there that he could use to benefit AEW. That's what you need to focus on. Let Malachi do what he's got to do. If you lose Malachi, so be it. What I was wondering is if Malachi X for his release because of creative differences or being unhappy creatively, how many other people are backstage, you know, wondering, hey, can I X my release too? I'm unhappy creatively as well. Andrade and Miro, right? But these guys are signed to long-term deals. Can't be granting everybody's release. Again, Tony Khan hiring everybody and bolstering that roster the way he did. He may have overdone it. Not everybody's going to get TV time. Not everybody's going to be featured on TV. You have to wait your turn. You know, a lot of people, going back to the Young Bucks thing, I mentioned this before as well. You know, a lot of people, I said this yesterday, you know, the heart and soul, losing a heart and soul of a company is devastating. And it will be devastating if they do eventually. Lose the elite, uh, Page and the Bucks and Omega. They'll go to WWE. You know, Tony Khan is going to continue bolstering that roster. He's bolstered that roster so much that people are dying to get an opportunity to get on TV. If you lose guys like that, it's only going to move those that you want to see desperately on TV to television. Is it going to be the end of the world? It may feel like it, but there is so much talent right there in that company that they may get the time to shine eventually. Because not everybody's going to remain with the company. So I just want everybody to be happy. At the end of the day, I just want every, I want a harmonious locker room. I'm not a part of that locker I just want harmonious locker rooms for these guys. And Malachi, I wish him nothing but the best. Hopefully he's back in AEW. If not, we'll see him back in WWE. Thunder Rosa. There were reports going around about Thunder Rosa asking for her AEW release. Word spread on Wednesday that Thunder Rosa had requested her AEW release, but that request was denied. It was later learned 
that the news of her level of unhappiness may have been exaggerated and that any attempts to get out of her contract were not accurate. Wrestling journalists like Sean Ross Sapp reported numerous AEW sources have said Thunder Rosa did not ask for her release. Uh, Brian Alvarez even tweeted, Rosa did not ask for her release. It was later learned those reports he was referring to were inaccurate when her husband took to social media and denied the speculation. We haven't heard from him since. It's easy to assume something was off between AEW and Thunder Rosa. An interim women's champion was crowned after it was learned that an injury was going to keep her out of action. She posted on September 2nd, it's time for a change. And there was a lot of chatter that she wasn't necessarily happy behind the scenes and that the injury storyline might be a cover for much bigger issues. Tony Storm recently won the title at All Out, and statements said by Tony Storm in the media scrum, in the media scrum said, Thunder says she's injured. Okay. When she says she's not injured, she can come back and lose to me, and that will be the end of that. People took that as Tony Storm kind of throwing Thunder Rosa under the bus, insinuating that she's not really hurt. Tony Khan had also responded to the criticism at the time about Rosa and that she was given time off of television to talk about her injury and noted that he had elected to give time to other stars who thought would draw a better rating. He mentioned this in the media call uh, leading into All Out. Someone asked him, well, why did Sam Punk get eight to ten minutes to talk about his injury and crown him uh, or, or say that he's going to be an interim champion while we crown a new champion, but Thunder Rosa only got 30 seconds. He went on to say, basically, a CM Punk segment on TV is going to draw a, big, a bigger rating and a better rating than a Thunder Rosa segment. So he's going to allot TV time to people who are going to draw a better rating for him. He's not lying. He's not lying. I appreciate his honesty, but there are different ways to go out there and say that without actually throwing Thunder Rosa under the bus and without actually sounding like a fucking asshole to the media. But I appreciate his honesty, and he didn't really say anything wrong. He did. There's just better ways to go out there and say that. So the report of the release requested was published by Ringside News, and Steve Carrier of the site updated his Twitter with a post that noted regarding the claim that Thunder Rosa asked for a release from AEW two months ago, was told it happened after the spat with Marina Shafir. When I confronted Rosa's husband about remarks on Twitter, after temporarily deleting his account, he told me to go fuck myself, which he did. And rightfully so, because Ringside News, they've become so fucking trashy. They have. And it's a disgrace about what happened over there. Sounds like they might have issues, you know, Rosa and AEW. There might be issues between the two sides. But as far as her status in the company goes, it is not believed that she X'd out of her contract. All we know at this point is that AEW has problems backstage. Malachi was granted his release. The Punk story with the elites. Suspension, stripping them of the championships. Rosa and her heat with Britt Baker. We need all this shit to come to an end. We need all of this to come to an end. So hopefully that locker room, after that meeting with Brian, Moxley, and Jericho, are now on the right track. Because when Rosa gets back, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with her and what happens with that championship and what happens with her status in the company. Because if Tony Khan continues to treat Rosa like that, you know, her, her tweet from September 2nd, it's time for a change. There will be a time for a change, and she's basically going to walk right into Triple H's arms. And she will not look back. Because Triple H, with somebody like that, and somebody that talented, and somebody that over with the audience, a difference maker in a women's division like that, and you know Triple H loves his women's revolution. You don't think he'd be happy to have Thunder Rosa? 
It's crazy. And I said this, it might not be in it, it might not be a thing. But Thunder Rose's treatment, you know, as far as Latino stars or Latina stars in the company, you know, up and down, it, it's not good. Sammy Guevara is treated okay. You got LAX. They never won the tag team championships. I, I don't know how you have LAX in your tag team division, and they haven't won those tag team titles. Thunder Rosa, her title reign was fucking abysmal. She had some great matches in there with Sheeta and Storm and Deeb, but she didn't do anything in there. She didn't do anything in that title reign. What has she done? What are you going to look back on Thunder Rosa's title reign and talk about? Five years from now, ten years from now, nothing. Nothing. The Lucha Brothers... They have had some great matches up and down AEW, but they didn't do anything with their tag team titles. This was before Ray Phoenix got injured. What did they do with those tag team championships? Nothing. Ricky Starks. Why is Ricky Starks not in a position higher on the card? Why? I I don't understand the lack of of care for the Latino and the Latina talent in AEW. It's really mind-boggling to me. Yeah, you want to talk about diversity in in AEW, it really goes beyond just, you know, black athletes and performers. It's got to span everybody. It seems like there's a common theme with all the Latino stars and Latina stars in the company. It's unbelievable. Bobby Fish. This is another story. Could be reasons why Bobby Fish was never really granted an extension with AEW. More pandering to CM Punk? Possibly. This has been in the news. There were issues between Bobby Fish and CM Punk before Bobby Fish's exit from AEW. Fightful is reporting that there were discussions between Fish and AEW about a contract renewal, but both sides could not come to terms financially, and the feeling from AEW's side was that it was an amicable parting of ways until Fish's comments about CM Punk and AEW on his podcast. I didn't even know Bobby Fish had a podcast. News to me. However, Fish is still friendly with many people in the company, and the issues with Punk had nothing to do with his exit from the company. Sure they did. Sure they did. Just like Tony Khan sat there and let CM Punk bury the elite at a media scrum. Fish reportedly had told people that he didn't appreciate Punk's attitude after their match in October 2021. I watched this match back. I watched this match back. And I want to read to you what Bobby Fish said. Keep this in mind, okay? Fish said about Punk on his podcast, let's just make this a formal invitation to Phil. I'm down if that's the direction he wants to go. I mean, he could pick the time, the place. We could do it in Chicago. it, It can be boxing. It could be kickboxing. It could be MMA. I mean, shit. We can do this bare knuckle. He can pick the weight. He can pick the place, like I said, whatever he wants to do. But yeah, let's make it official, like, come on, Phil. So he went out there and said that he had no problem putting over CM Punk. And he would do business the right way. And Bobby Fish went into this match in October. He took a GTS. And I don't know if you guys remember, he he, he almost kicked out of the GTS. He When the referee, I don't know if it was Bryce Remsburg or if it was one of the other guys, Referee counted one, two, three, and Bobby Fish kicked out right at the three count, if you guys remember. And I'm asking myself, why did he do that? Why did he do that? That was basically a fuck you to CM Punk. Yeah, I'll do business for you, but I don't really want to put you over, but I'll do business for you. 
and he kicked out of the GTS after the three count was made. Then he said this, based on recent comments, mixed with his heat with CM Punk, and then this, I could see why I could see why Bobby Fish was not brought back to the company. I do remember the first time I was in NXT. He gave the post-show talk to the group, Triple H. I remember it was at Full Sail. He laid out some things and the vision and the way that he saw certain things. By the time he was done talking, I don't know if it was 20 minutes, 30 minutes or so, but by the time he was done talking, I just remember thinking to myself, like as a pro wrestling fan, pro wrestling guy, pro wrestler, whatever you want to call it, if you could listen to that speech and not support this guy, like lose my number. We can't be friends because his his way, he saw the whole thing was just awesome. Number one, I'm a fan of the way he sees the business. But two, he really wants the business itself to thrive and to go on to have uncharted success. Then after, does he really? Because he at any given time, he'd love to kill AEW. Then after being there with him for the better part of three or four years or whatever and being in the Undisputed Era, going through war games and all that stuff, I would go to war for that man, hands down. If he tells me, listen, I need you to run through that wall, I'm going to try. If he tells me he thinks I can do it, like, all right, I'm going to try. So based on all of this momentum going towards WWE and you are still under contract with AEW, you're out there on your own show saying... Well, you're employed with AEW that you'd go to war with the hottest fucking guy in the business right now in Triple H and Paul Levesque taking over WWE. You know what that would tell me if I'm Tony Khan? Get this fucking guy out of here, man. He ain't one of mine. He ain't one. He don't want to be here because of me. He don't want to be here because of AEW. Get him the fuck out of here. That's a big L by Bobby Fish. And Bobby Fish was already on thin ice because he's 45 years old. And what more could he bring to the table? Now he doesn't have a job in AEW where his friends are, right? And now he's looking at unemployment. Who's going to pick him up? Does he fit in WWE? Does he fit in creative plans over there? Roddy's still in NXT. We don't know what the future of Roddy is over there. Triple H ain't going to want to lose him because you know exactly where he's going to go. Does he go to WWE? Does he go back to Triple H? He's 45 years old. What is he going to do? Maybe be a coach or uh, an agent? Producer in WWE at the performance? I don't know. Bobby Fish took a major L. Not only with the CM Punk heat, but with his own comments on Triple H, as if Tony Khan, you know, was paying him and he was out there saying this shit about Triple H. Give me a break. Fucking ridiculous. Roman Reigns. Shifting gears to SmackDown. Roman Reigns. Why did Roman Reigns beat Drew McIntyre at Clash of the Castle? In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer... Dave Meltzer reported that WWE stayed with its long-term plan with Reigns as a top guy and champion instead of going for the big pop that McIntyre would have received at Clash of the Castle in Cardiff. Meltzer said, and I quote, they want to make him the legend of this generation and ending the planned long reign for a major pop here was a decision they decided against. Basically what that says to me is that well, yeah, we want Reigns to hold this title longer to simply drop the title to Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Hopefully that is still the plan. Reigns has been made the top guy in WWE. He was the top guy before this, but he was sitting at the top of the mountain with both championships. He returned in the summer of 2020 after beating Bray Wyatt for the Universal title. In early November, Reigns will make his next championship defense at the Crown Jewel show in Saudi Arabia. Freddie Prince Jr., Discuss Clash of the Castle on his podcast. 
Prince said the reason why Tyson Fury sang Drew McIntyre to close the show, and he said the reason why it happened is because it aired and somebody forgot to cut the feed. So basically, it was never supposed to happen. The end of the match was weird because they forgot to say cut. I know this for a fact. I asked a couple of people. They left the feed running, and then all of a sudden, Drew McIntyre wasn't, uh, was, he was feeling good. Tyson Fury came out to the ring, and they sang Sweet Caroline after a loss. It was so weird. Now, I remember watching the show. I was in New Jersey watching the show, and I was at my apartment in Atlantic City. I was watching the show on Peacock. All of a sudden, the show cut out in the middle of them singing. So I do agree with Freddie Prince Jr. that this was the case because the show, my feed cut out. I had to physically log back in to go click watch on the show again, and they were still going. So I do believe that is the case. It should have never aired. Soon as Solo Sokawa and Roman Reigns walked up the ramp, the show should have came to an end. That was a bad image for WWE and a bad image for Drew McIntyre. He did all this, the chase, and all that he said, and all that he did against Roman Reigns. To lose that match in the manner that he did and sing like nothing ever happened, that made him look like a fucking loser. Should have never happened. They did him dirty there. So who does Roman Reigns defend the title against next? Who is he defending the title against at the Crown Jewel show in Saudi Arabia? Melcher talked about this. Kevin Owens has since teased that he will be the next challenge for Roman Reigns. That won't be the case. Seth Rollins has teased that won't be the case. Reigns will miss Extreme Rules. He will be in Saudi. And Melcher says this, and I quote, Reigns is not on the Extreme Rules card for 10-8 in Philadelphia. And his next major match is on the Saudi Arabia show. I was told that it's not Seth Rollins or Kevin Owens, even though both have teased it. And based on one build, one would expect those two matches at some point. So I don't know who the challenge is going to be. But Melcher said it's somebody on the roster. Now, I'm pretty confident that it's not going to be Bill Goldberg. I don't think that we're getting it. If we are, God help our fucking souls. I mean, I'd come on here publicly and blast Triple H. That's ridiculous. It's only one of two guys to me. One of two guys. Number one, Braun Strowman. He's just back. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be in contention for a world championship. And he's not. So you might as well use him while you got him to kind of rekindle that Roman Reigns feud, build it for Crown Jewel, and just get a, a decent little match. I mean, Braun Strowman's best matches were, were with Roman. So why not, right? Get him in there, have him eat a quick L, and so be it. The other one I could see is Bobby Lashley. I could see Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns take place in Saudi Arabia. That's a big money match. That's something that we could see. And I think that would go over very well. I mean, after he finishes with The Miz and whatever he's got to do, I mean, who's left? Who's left for Bobby Lashley on Monday Night Raw? They could build somebody up, but it's not going to be meaningful, right? It's going to be beneath Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley's been presented as the main attraction on that show. He is holding the one title right now that everybody is kind of chasing on Monday Night Raw. So why not do Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley? I could see that being the case. AJ Styles is another one. He's not really doing much of anything. But is that enough to sell a Crown Jewel show? I don't know. So we'll see what happens. No Goldberg, please. No fucking Bill Goldberg. 
At Ronda Rousey, this is the last piece of info I got here before we get to the Super Chats. Ronda Rousey has revealed that her input helped to shift her WWE character post-SummerSlam 2022. So, during a game stream on Twitch, I believe. I think she streams on Twitch, if I'm not mistaken. Or Facebook gaming, one or the other. Ronda Rousey was asked about her character being more authentic and if she had any say in her new persona. She answered, yeah, it's cool. I feel like the more experience I get, the more they trust me with being able to take ownership of things. I do feel like more of a team than ever. My input matters more than it ever has, which is great. (laughs) Triple H. Basically, Triple H. On Friday, SmackDown, Ronda Rousey had her suspension lifted and responded by applying an armbar to Adam Pearce. Good. Good. More from the performers is always a great thing. And I think we can all really agree that Ronda Rousey's transition into the organic character that we're seeing is more like Ronda than the Vince McMahon interpretation of Ronda Rousey, where she was coming out smiling and, you know, she was being a baby face. She was doing unlike Ronda usually does, or what unlike Ronda should do. Now she's being more authentic. She's a badass. I, th- I still think she sucks, and I think she's a very cringe promo, but she's a lot better presented now on the Triple H than she was Vince McMahon. Ronda Drowsy! Yeah, she's still Ronda Drowsy. Anyway, guys, that is all I got. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode 443. We had nearly 3,600 live tonight, man. I love you. I love you guys, man. We're going to get into the Super Chats now. We got 12 new members tonight. Holy shit. That is a beautiful thing. And I can officially confirm now we hit over 600 new members. You guys are awesome. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We got 1,500 likes. I asked for 1,000. You guys went 1,500, man. You guys went above and beyond. It's crazy. And tonight's show is sponsored by Monk Pack. Remember, guys, go and try Monk Pack. Monkpack.com. Code scripts at checkout. 20% off your first order. And if you guys want to check that link that I'm going to pin at the top of the comment section, that's also a great way to go get your 20% off. Monkpack.com. Code script at checkout. Let's get into the super chats. Next time you guys, by the way, will see me live is on Monday night. Tomorrow night, Monday Night Raw. What Triple H will do on Monday Night Raw to combat Monday Night Football, I have no idea. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Uh, We got new members. I got to shout out some new members here. I got to shout out Kim Sparkle. Kim, thank you so much for a new membership. Marcus Bryant with a one-month membership. 248 Radio ZJ with a one-month membership. Thank you so much, gentlemen and lady. Jake Ake with a $2 super chat. My Seattle Mariners got it done. Go Mariners. Fuck the Mariners. 
Munchie Time with an 18-month membership. Also, uh, thank you, Munchie Time. Also, he leaves a comment. Almost one and a half years of being a member. Glad to be here in the OTS venue. I'll take a screwball to celebrate the Chiefs dubbed tonight OTS for life. Thank you, Munchie Time. You guys are going to get some new emotes, man, to celebrate your milestones. Grimsley with a new membership. Grimsley, what are you drinking, brother? Captain Solo with a $5 super chat. Post Christopher Daniels were on the locker room melee, and why was he suspended? JD, you are the original Ayatollah of Brock and Rolla. Um, he was just there because he didn't really do anything to dumb down the situation. Christopher Daniels is head of talent relations. He did nothing to dumb down this situation, and he basically did nothing, which led to the reason he got suspended. It got worse with him being in the position of power that he was. Grimsley with a two-dollar super chat. Hey, JD, gave Tony Storm your number. Thank you, Grimsley. Also, he says, after years of watching, I'm a member. I'm drinking Jack Daniels, down-home punch. Enjoy your cold beverage, Grimsley, and thank you for the membership, man. Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. Punk called Darby the heart and soul of AEW. Thinking about that, was it Ego that drove Punk to beat him? And Roman, who will be left to finally beat him? Who will be left to beat uh, Roman? Cody. Cody is going to defeat Roman Reigns. I'd much rather see Cody and Roman than Roman and Dwayne. I don't want to see that match at all, to be quite honest with you. I don't really care about that match as other people care. Will check with the 12-month membership. Hearing the OTS intro now, I wonder if JD's going to be changing it up from recent shakeups to both AEW and WWE. Always love listening to you, bro. Yeah, I'm going to record something tomorrow, and I'm going to get that to my boy Dustin. We're going to get that changed. We're going to get that changed. We may we, we may do a get him out. We may... Uh, why has Triple H... Why is Triple H booked Monday Night Raw better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard? Long-term booking. I may have to take Tony Khan out of the intro. Corey Williams with two months. Thank you, Corey Williams, for the recommitment to the VIP club, man. It's going to get chilly before you know it, man. Those fire pits, it's going to be the place to be. Maurice Smith and Luis Baez. Thank you, gentlemen. Corey Williams with a 199 Super Chat. No message. Thank you, Corey. Otis Driftwood with a new membership. Tyson Cook with a new membership. Thank you, gentlemen. What are you guys drinking? NC07 with a new membership. Thank you, NC. Nate Raymond with a new membership. Thank you, Nate. PW Elite Fan 99 with a two-month recommitment. Do you plan on streaming if you buy MW2? I'm unsure whether I should get it or not, but I miss your gaming channel. I was going to put this out on Twitter tomorrow. I'm glad you asked me, PW. If anybody here has a beta code 
for the new Modern Warfare beta. Because I have not pre-ordered it yet. I mean, after Vanguard, I... They ain't getting my money, bro, until I actually play the fucking game. If anybody has a beta code, I need you to hit me up immediately. As soon as I get a beta code this week, I will stream Modern Warfare 2 on my second channel. I haven't streamed all year on the second channel. Nothing is interesting to me, man, outside of what I usually do in Destiny. That's usually my time. Nobody wants to see me play Destiny. But if anybody has a beta code, you got to hit me up. And I will stream Modern Warfare 2. Arctic Wolf becomes a new member. Arctic Wolf, thank you so much, brother. Jason Lucas with a 999 Super Chat. I didn't see the CM Punk media scrum until after you and Jesse commented on it. When CM started eating the chocolate muffin, I was laughing my ass off. Jesse was right. That muffin was heelish AF. Yeah, Jason, I think Jesse and I killed it on Tuesday, man. I thought that was a great stream. Cold War, man. I enjoyed Cold War for what it was, but God, it was fucking bare bones, man. What a boring fucking game. Maycox Samurai with a new membership. Or Macox Samurai. And Isaac Smith with a new membership. Thank you, gentlemen. What are you drinking tonight? Jason McCardle with a 1999 Super Chat. I love watching AEW. I don't want them to go out of business. TK needs to get his house in order. I don't know if that is true, but I've read that Tony Schiavone is Tony Khan's right-hand man. I don't know. Is that true? They all need to do a better job. He promoted so many people to new positions. But the damage was already done before All Out. I mean, Sam Punk just fucking absolutely exploded everything. It was already a fucking mess. Stick World Mayor with a 10-month membership. Haven't been active for a couple of months. I was looking for work. Now I have a great new job and get to help the kids. OTS for life. Hashtag 1,500 likes minimum. Stick World Mayor, we did that and then some, brother. Thank you so much, man. Yes, the next time you guys see Mr. 9 to 5 will be in AEW Fight Forever, man. WWE 2K sucks. The game sucks, man. I mean, if you're a content creator making shit content with WWE 2K, man, your audience is probably fucking ages 8 to fucking 12. Give me a break. Levi with a Australia might. 799 Super A bit of a random one. Will Sephiroth be making his debut in the venue when we move back? Thanks, bro. Take care. Uh, Levi, uh, I am possibly going to be hitting up my boys over at Deviate Designs soon for some new 4D artwork. I may have to incorporate Sephiroth in some of the new work. We will see. Justin with the two-month membership. Been a VIP for one month as of today, and I couldn't be more happier. Hashtag OTS for life. Justin, I couldn't be more happy to have you here, bro. Thank you so much, man. Recky Wizard, triple seven. With an Australian 1499 super chat. I heard people say that. How could anyone trust Hangman to work with? 
Anthony just went into business for himself, but how could anyone trust CM Punk after that press conference? You can't. If Paige was still in the building, he would have absolutely been suspended because he absolutely would have come to the the Bucks and Kenny Omega's aid. Lucky for Hangman, Hangman had left the building before everything had happened. So the only thing that we could really zing Hangman on is to the promo. Him going into business for himself. Prince Maverick with a new membership. Thank you, Prince Maverick. What are you drinking, brother? Colleen Schmitz with a $2 super chat. CM Punk and the Elite have their own locker rooms. Yes, I understand that. I don't know what you're trying to prove there, Colleen, with that comment. Do you work there? What difference does it make? The Three Kings with a $5 super chat. The Elite has dodged so much accountability in this situation. They got suspended as talent, but not held, were, were not held accountable as part of a part of being management. Yes, the Elite definitely has a lot of the blame here. Everybody has a lot of the blame. Hangman has blame. Elite has blame. Punk has blame. Tony Khan has blame. Nobody is innocent here. Everybody has a part of the blame. Guardian of Chaos, my boy Guardian of Chaos in the chat. Question, will there be a meet and greet before Arthur Ashe Grand Slam? I'm planning on it. I should have a... I should have a time and a, and a bar sometime this week. Desmond D3 with a 499 Super Chat. Honestly, ever since Cody left AEW, the company went down a little bit as a business perspective. Khan needs to get it together before it gets worse. Kenny Omega's leg with a $5 Super Chat. CM Punk needs to take the advice he gave Hangman when he called him out unfairly without him knowing. The apology should be as loud as the disrespect. I agree. I absolutely agree. They all need to be fucking men. Or the children that CM Punk says he works with, he'll be the number one fucking crybaby child in that locker room if he doesn't own up to his fucking mistakes. Prince Maverick with a 199 Super Chat. What up, JD? Love the channel. New member, OTS for Life. Thank you, Prince. Recky Wizard with a 1499 Super Chat. CM Punk literally said in the press conference, I'm trying to run a company in front of TK. That should tell everyone everything you need to know about the dynamics at play here. Yeah, he thinks he's the fucking boss because he's the moneymaker. He thinks he can make all the fucking decisions. He's gotten too much leeway, too much pull, and now he needs to scale that shit back. Tony Khan. Absolutely needs to scale that shit back. Jabril Muhammad with a 199 Super Chat. Would you mind seeing EC3 back in WWE? I don't want to see EC3 back in WWE. George Mazur with a new membership. Thank you, George. What are you drinking, George? Isaac Smith with a $5 super chat. 
No message. Isaac, why are you shy around here, bro? George Missouri with a $10 super chat. JD Jefferson's bourbon is great. Tag team show. You and Solomonster. Book it. I love Solomonster, bro, but Solomonster works by himself. He's solo for a reason. I do want to get something at the end of the year with a couple of content creators, him being one of them. I want to get a round table. Three or four of us. He would definitely be one of them. BC would be another one. He just got to fix his microphone. I got BC sounding good, man. I got BC sounding like me. Soundwave, 80s. 499 Super Chat. I went all out on my revolution in full gear, and it's double or nothing on Forbidden Door. Thank you, Soundwave. Furious Nation with a $20 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Can't believe it's been six years since watching you and Off the Script. And I have absolutely no regrets. Proud to be a member of the OTS family. Also, my thoughts and prayers are with Jesse regarding his nephew. We love Jesse. Uh, Cake, Solo, JD, BC, and Denise. Never happening. Never happening. I would never give Denise a platform like mine to grow her audience, man. Never. They wouldn't do it for me. I'd never do it for them. Um, Desmond with an I-99. And yes, Jesse, uh, we love Jesse Fioris. Thank you guys, man. Prayers for Jesse. He's going through a rough patch right now. Desmond, 999 Super Jack. When do you think is right for Sasha Banks and Naomi to come back to WWE? Soon as possible. At SmackDown, women's division is fucking abysmal. They need them back now. Isaac Smith with the $10 Super Chat. I wanted to ask you a question I have to watch after the live stream airs because I'm usually at work. I know you... I know you, the women's division, but I love what they're doing with Bailey. What do you think? I mean, Bailey's doing fine. Bailey's doing fine. Dakota and Eo need to win those tag team titles tomorrow night. That's for sure. Tyler with the 499 Super Chat. I think you're right about Bray Wyatt returning in October. Really? Why do you say that? Why am I right about Bray Wyatt returning in October? Furious Nation with a $10 Super Chat. Also, can't believe Backlash 2016 happened on this day six years ago. It was a very good show during the start of the 2016-17 SmackDown Live era. I love SmackDown in 2016, man. Quality, quality main roster television. MGM ballin' with an 11-month recommitment. Getting close to a year. Here's to a year of you keeping my love for wrestling. MGM ballin', we're going to make that 24 months, brother. And Tribal Chief with a $5 super chat with the amount of factions in WWE increasing. Thoughts on Bray returning and being paired with the Viking Raiders. Thoughts? No. Absolutely not. If you're going to pair Bray, I want to see Wyatt family back. I mean, old school Wyatt family. I want to see Braun in the Wyatt family. I want to see Bray in the Wyatt family. And I want to see Bo Dallas in the Wyatt family. I want to see a new take on the Wyatt family. Furious Nation with a $10 super chat. Looking back on the contract signing, Triple H and CM Punk had 11 years ago. 
Makes me wonder if Triple H was right about Punk, especially with Punk's attitude recently at the All Out Media Scrum. Thoughts? Everything that Triple H said. Everything that Triple H said in that promo to CM Punk is exactly what you saw play out basically over the last three to four weeks with CM Punk. Guys, we have concluded episode 443, man. I appreciate you guys joining me on your Sunday night, man. We had one hell of an audience tonight. 3,600 people, 1,600 likes. That's some good shit, bro. That's some good shit. Sidro, for that AW scrum with Punk eating all those muffins, I guess Punk thought... That event was scrumptious. <laughs> Indeed it was, Sidro. Guys, next time you see me is tomorrow night, Monday Night Raw. We'll be live from the OTS Beer Garden. Johnny Gargano in-ring debut, tag team title match. More Braun Strowman probably, I don't know. We'll see what happens. More Dexter Loomis, I don't know. Monk Pack. Go get your Monk Pack. Monkpack.com code scripts at checkout. 20% off. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Go check out all the great content from this past week. And continue to hit those thumbs up, guys. Anyway, I'm getting out of here. I need those guitar emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis from my VIPs, and I need that music on Max. Guys, thank you so much for a great week. And I'll see you tomorrow night from the Beer Garden right here on Off the Script for the Monday Night Raw post show on OTS. I'll see you guys later.